Yo, what's up, guys and gals? I am the dumbest man in podcasting. I just recorded a great ad for Gravity Lab Radio, but you got to hit record. This Gravity Lab Radio is going to feature Melissa Nelson. Melissa Nelson was recently on Gravity Lab Radio for the Stay Your Ass at Home edition. It was that Zoom call. We had a good time, but there's nothing like an in-person visit. Melissa Nelson hit me up the other day, or Melissa Lowe hit me up the other day and said, yo, DJ, I'm coming to town for LSD, uh, Liquid (laughs) Level Slot Doc. It's those big way camps that Alethea Austin uh, hosts. If you don't know Alethea Austin, check her out in the uh, episode list. Alethea Austin, absolutely wonderful organizer, a wonderful event planner, and her and Melissa are running this LSD camp here in Houston. It's July 9th this week in July 9th, 2020. Melissa said, DJ, I really want to do the show in person. I love hanging out with you. The vibe getting together is so much better. Let's do it in person. Even better, I know some of what she wants to talk about tonight. We didn't get to talk about everything last time. There's some really cool stories, some really cool history, but also some really cool future planning for Melissa. She's going to let a couple cats out of the bag. So if you're listening to this right now, keep listening all the way through. Listen to what Melissa has in store. And I hope you're as excited about her future as I am. But for now, Gravity Lab Radio is brought to you by Option Studios and the Jersey. I say the Jersey Forget Option Studios for one second. Gravity Lab Radio, the rating center, you guys and gals have been asking, when will you release jerseys again? I will, soon enough. Hold on, wait a second. I've had my reasons, I've had my uh, 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 logic. I haven't shared them all with you, but one of the reasons I've been waiting to re-release our jerseys is Series 3. What is Series 3, you might ask? Option Studios jerseys have come out with their latest and their greatest, and it is known as Series 3. The jerseys you guys and gals have known to love are the second version, the second generation of the Option Studio jerseys. The first version was actually never released to the public because Option Studios and Adam Buckner demand perfection, and it just wasn't good enough for them. Series 2 hit the market, and they were a huge success. But I'll tell you, some of my homies had a complaint. Man, if you're Hank Pruitt, if you're Ben Nelson, you got ginormous grapes, ginormous heads, and you put on an Option Studio jersey, you might complain and say, man, this collar hole is just a little too tight. I can't fit my head through this hole very easily. I had no issues with that, but I will say it's definitely a little bit snugger collar. But Series 3 fixes that. Series 3 is their new jersey. It comes with a new design collar. It's a little bit better opening. It's way the way it's cut that really helps more than anything else. But not only does it look good and feel good as a collar, or excuse me, uh, not only does it feel good and fit better as a collar, it looks better as well. It's a complete redesign of the collar. Not only is the collar changed, so have some of your sleeve options. If we're looking at the long sleeve jersey, It's going to be very similar in that length overall, except there is a new long sleeve option that includes thumb holes. Some of my friends like to pull their jerseys down, like to pull their long sleeve shirts or jerseys or hoodies or whatever down and stick their thumbs in these little thumb holes like they got little blankies on their arms. And Option Studios with Series 3 has heard your cry and your call for that option. They now offer thumb holes as an option. Not every jersey will have it. So your normal jersey is appropriately length to your wrist. The thumb hole jerseys are lengthened to your palm so you can actually fit your uh, hand in it or pull or your thumb in it or pull your thumb back out and then pull it back up to your wrist. So if you like thumb holes, if you like those longer sleeves, Series 3 will give you that option. Not only is the sleeves change, but the choice of cuts have changed. Men and women's cut. A lot of people don't mind wearing both, but ladies, you are built differently than us men, and uh, you like that different fit. The women's cut fits better, 
and it feels better, and it includes a cap sleeve. If you're like me, you say, what the fuck is a cap sleeve? When it comes to women's clothing, I know nothing. I actually go shopping for my wife for clothes. I have to call my sister up. Yo, Debbie, what size such and such does Valerie wear? And thank you, Debbie. You make sure Valerie looks good and fits her in her clothes so I don't have to exchange them every time I buy clothes. I don't know much. But what cap sleeves mean, excuse me, a little belt chair. What cap sleeves mean is if you ever see these female cut shirts, these lady cut shirts, you'll notice the sleeves are a little bit shorter, almost angled higher up on the arm. Those are what cap sleeves are. You want a better fit fit collar? You want a better looking collar, a better feeling collar? You want a better fit jersey altogether? The new Series 3 is just the thing for you. And they have included a nice little option or a nice little hidden pocket on the jersey. If you pull up the side of your jersey on the on the side, there's going to be a small on the bottom, a little three by three and a half inch pocket, something to store your pull-up cord in, some some stowbands, just things that you're walking around the drop zone in. I won't put anything too important in there if you're going to skydive in the jersey, but it is a nice hidden stash pocket that you can use to keep those things you need on a day-to-day basis on the DZ. Option Studios not only has redesigned their jersey and come out with a Series 3, but they also have their own retail model coming. So many jersey manufacturers offer their own version for retail sale. Unfortunately, Adam and the crew have been way too busy helping people like Gravity Lab Radio, the Rating Center, and let's talk about some real names. Apex Base, Velocity Sports Equipment, Rigging Innovations, Performance Designs, you name it. A lot of the big names out there have used Option Studios for their jerseys because they make the best shit. Option Studios has finally taken the time to come out with their own retail jerseys. They look fresh. They look fly. They look great. They just won't make you skydive better. I don't know if anything can help you out, man. No, they really do look good. Go to pullupcourts.com. Find Option Studios on Facebook, on Instagram. Hit them up. Whether you want a retail jersey or whether you want a custom jersey for your team, your drop zone, your club, your homies, your friends, it doesn't matter, skydiving or not, they can help you design and build a jersey. Hit them up, pullupcourts.com. Until then, Melissa Nelson, Melissa Nelson Lowe, is uh, cruising up to the house. She'll be here any minute now. So let me finish setting up for the show, and you guys enjoy this visit with Melissa Nelson Lowe. I'm the target of a meat missile going 150 miles an hour plus. That got really <laughs> exciting all of a sudden. I'm doing canopy safety. Um, I drive like an Asian, so I don't know if it's the most appropriate thing ever. I'm killing it. Utah, give me two. You're listening to Gravity Lab Radio, hosted by DJ Marvin and Nicholas Lott. Produced by Justin Grubbs. Have we talked about skydiving the whole time? I'm recording. You are what? what? Recording on the computer. Elsa, by the way, is new to the show. I know. I watched the episode and congratulated oh, her. Thank you. I don't know if you knew that was me, but it was me. Oh, thanks. Of the I really appreciate the hundreds that. of people congratulating you. Nice. I <laughs> love that. It was interesting right. because nobody expected it was Elsa. So when we brought her, everybody was like, oh, my God. And I don't think it could have been a more natural fit. And, and a lot of people have said that. And I've had a lot of compliments on you. Oh, lovely. Yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we are live. Is it? Is it happening? <laughs> is it real? Here we are. Welcome. Go right ahead, sir. No, no, it's you. We've talked about this. <laughs> hey, Melissa Nelson Lowe, how are you? I'm doing Welcome fantastic. to the show. Thank you. It's welcome, good to be here in person. Welcome back to Houston. Yes. I did look you. at your waiver today. It looks, <laughs> it looks like 2016 was the last time you were here. Yes. Does that sound right? Did you notice my occupation? No, I did not. No one ever looks at that. 
So I always wonder why people put it on there. Like, what's your occupation? And they're so boring and so standard. So every time I put professional badass. <laughs> your son that taught so- you that. That sounds like a business card. <laughs> right? You should get, I, I think you need a card that says that also. I should. That way, if anyone challenges you about what's on the waiver, be like, yo, man, that's on my card. Yeah, right? Easy. Legit. <laughs> so what, uh, you were here in 2016 for? Oh, my gosh. Wasn't that the Lost was Haters? It? Li- was it Live was Bigs? It, oh, what was it? The 10-Way Speed Star competition. Because I have you know i've been coming here for a long time so it's that sometimes the timelines get a little bit skewed Mm -hmm. but yeah 2016 was the 10-way speed star and my team was called haters which is hilarious because i was the you know the antithesis of that and i was like all right team you gotta teach me to hate (laughs) was trent on your team trent was definitely on my team oh yeah they were so proud of me but the by the end i was talking so much shit oh yeah like with authority. Were you packing a gun? Did, did Trent bring you one? You know, no, no, <laughs> we didn't get. There. We didn't go there. <laughs> so attend, it was a free fly speed star competition, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, we crushed it. You, you guys. Well, that's what I remember. Oh yeah, landslide. I, I don't even remember who second place was. We could have gone backwards and still won. Nice. <laughs> Everything outpacing. I'm not competitive. I think all. it was. Wasn't it like a general? Speed Star and actually had free fly and belly fly teams on it? Yes. So there was two different categories. I think this year was probably run a little bit differently. I can't remember. But we were definitely all free fly. And it was fun. It was fun to engineer 10-way and turn points. I love doing vertical sequential stuff. We just had uh, another similar competition where uh, Scott Landis does a lot of the event organizing for Skydive Spaceland. And it was, uh, I guess it's just formations, right? You were here for, the, for the, another 10-way event yeah. where it was belly teams and free fly teams competing against each other. So 35-second working time, but the same idea of, hey, we're going to have uh, formations that can be built on your belly or built head down. Yeah. And these people with totally different skill sets are still competing on the, the same level That's playing awesome. field. I'm pretty, bummed. Pretty I didn't hear about it because we would have brought the haters back. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Trent retired. Oh. oh. <laughs> it's, uh, it was super cool and it was neat because that event you were here for, I think that's the first time here in Houston I had seen the the mix, but you weren't competing against each other. You were just competing in the same event. Yeah. This time, as you mentioned, Nick, it brought it to that next evolution where people were competing against each other. And the thing I love the most about our sport is the brotherhood, the sisterhood of the sport. And to see everybody like, I don't care how you're flying. Let's go. Let's let's do this. Yep. And there were belly teams and vertical teams on the podium. And they had two uh, rankings. One was your speed star score. And the other one was sequential number of points. And it, it was a mix of all the teams. It was so cool to see everybody just vibing and getting along. And That's awesome. I like that. I like because... I don't know how much it is like here, but I know at some drop zones, like free flyers are in one corner and belly flyers are in another corner and wingsuiters are in one corner and angle flyers just kind of like kind of mix around a little bit, right? They just move all over. I, I, I really never want, I, I always wondered why, like why are we differentiating ourselves? Like why can't we all be together? We're all skydivers and I love that you guys did the free fly and belly fly because it really brings us all together. You know, I feel like we have a pretty good community. Like I've heard other drop zones being described as, as clicky. And I don't think that we really have that. I think, you know, people have the people that they jump with regularly. You yeah. know, people that you're comfortable with and that are working on, on similar things. But I feel like as a as a community, everyone's pretty connected here. I think we have a, a good vibe. I dig it. And I hope in the future it's more like that at every drop zone. 
I think we are getting that way. It, it's you and I were talking in the car today about how the internet has made us a better community in some ways. And I see that so much in our sport. I, I don't travel nearly as much as I once did, but but when I do, I see a lot more camaraderie between the disciplines and a lot more support and watching the belly teams, watching the vertical teams, cheering them on and watching the vertical teams, watch airspeed and rhythm, bang it out. And everybody's like, oh my God. And the world is against us. The FAA is against us. Why can't we be together? Because ultimately we have the same love, manipulating the air, gravity, and landing parachutes like badasses. <laughs> Sorry, like Benjamins. <laughs> <laughs> I will never forget that story. Aww. He's such a sweet kid. <laughs> Yeah. It is. It's so cool, and I really gotta uh, throw a quick shout out. As much as you say we've done this, that was Scott Latinus's engineering. That was Scott Latinus's mindset. Um, I don't know who else might have helped him, but I definitely know he was a big catalyst to that. So uh, thank you for complimenting our drop zone in our community. But thank you for Scott Latinus to, uh, or to Scott Latinus for having that event and letting it be possible because we had a Texas Twenty Ways by Chuck Akers every year. It's been a huge event in Texas for a very long time. And due to COVID this year, it got canceled. And having 20 ways get to it, it's just hard. And Scott's like, hey, man, we can get a few 10. Like, you divide 20, you, you get half the 20-way teams can't show up. Well, that's not a big meet. But you divide those 20-way teams into 10-way teams, and you got to meet again. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it worked out really well. And, and one of my favorite things I heard the entire time is a good friend of yours, Matt Fry. I had walked into the packing room and I love you, Constantine, was not wearing his mask. And I'm like, hey, bro. And he immediately just like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. He, it's one thing I like about Constantine is when you talk to him, he will eat crow. He will open up. He'll be like, hey, my bad. And he puts the mask back on and he was super cool about it. And at that point, Matt Fry spoke to the entire group that was standing there. And he goes, look, guys, I will not skydive right now. The way Spaceland is managing this process is the only reason I was really willing to even consider going to any drops on the skydive. Yeah. So I really, uh, well, and Nick, sorry, I know you hate when I do this to you. I really will commend the, the drop zone manager. You are the drop zone manager for those who don't <laughs> I, know. I appreciate that. He put a shitload of thought, a lot of hard work. He had a few of us go through his process with him and try to shoot holes through them. Um, I think I might have been the only one to really give you holes. Um, yeah, you gave me a couple extra things to think about, which I, I was counting on you to do because I know that uh, <laughs> you're a germaphobe uh, a level <laughs> higher than most people that I know. But uh, Which that's I'm just learning more about, by the way. That's <laughs> For those who know me, I'm not much of a hugger. And Melissa, I met her at the airport. And when she sees me, she comes in and she gives me the hesitant hug like, and are we I think, doing this? Yeah, are we doing this? <laughs> and you gave me the opportunity to be like, hey, I'm not much of a hugger. But for those of you who hear me say I'm not a hugger, there's a, a few reasons I'll hug you. We just celebrated a major life event together. My homie Matt Bessonette got married. I gave him a ginormous hug. I haven't seen Melissa since February. February is the last time we spent time together. And it's like, man, I haven't seen this friend in a long time. And, and really, in a short time, we've got to know each other really well. So it's like, man, you know what? This is an appropriate time to give a friend a hug. A health pandemic is an appropriate. Oh, wait a minute, hold on. I gotta think <laughs> well, you know, we. I, I think another thing we were talking about is like we have to have hug boundaries. Like pandemic or not, like I like to give people hugs that I haven't seen in a long time. But if I see you every single day, I don't need to give you a hug every single morning or when we're saying goodbye. I know some people are like epic huggers and they just ha- it's like their beginning of the day and it's their closure of their day, mm-hmm. which which is good. But sometimes I'm just like over hugged. I'm like, dude, I just, I just don't have that energy. I think it goes just to the hello. Nick is is God, I hate this next name is one of my closest friends. I absolutely adore this man. 
and we can walk by each other the entire day and not exchange words except for when we need to because he's busy, I'm busy. Um, no offense, you don't have time for me. I don't have time for you. That's respect. And we don't fucking care. Yeah. We're over. I, I think for just to add on yeah. to your point, I think that I do get the feeling like I'm there nearly every day. And so a lot of times the day just runs together. And even though it might be the first time I'm seeing someone today, gosh, it still feels like yesterday to me. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I really apologize for anyone that take to that has that interaction with me and feels like I'm being rude. But the more, like especially stepping into this new role, it's funny how I get a lot more hellos even than I used to. <laughs> and it's like, man, I, I like, hey, I like being part of the community. I like everybody. You know, there are very few uh, Fun Jumper staff members, anybody that I don't get along with pretty well. So uh, sorry if anyone <laughs> takes that personally, if I don't ever say hello, it's usually that I'm on my way to do something and I know if I stop for a conversation, I'm going to lose whatever that thing is. Well, and especially with the masks, you know, I'm such a smiler, mm -hmm. like I just smile at people. And so now I have to do like the squint. Or, you know, like are to you acknowledge, to like acknowledge, you know, that yeah, I this, saw you or, is you this know, an, an Asian joke. <laughs> I don't know if you know my friend DJ, he might look white, but he's half Asian. I am as white as they get, man, unless we're talking about in the pants. Dude, I, uh, just to clarify. I, I, or, I mean, family reunions, I'm sure as well. <laughs> the uh, man, the parking lot during family reunions is crazy. <laughs> The American family shows up first and the Asians all just crash our cars into the American cars. It's just totally not. Do you yell kamikaze while well, this is happening? Uh, bonsai. Well, bonsai. Bonsai. Right. Kamikaze yeah. is who we are. That's bonsai it. okay. is what it's what's what you do. You know, you know Tara Weber. I just learned something. Oh, yeah. Me too. Uh, Tara Weber uh, refer, she had just sent LB a message and I, and I was communicating with her and she's like, yeah, man, we try to do stuff unless our crotch goblins get in the way. A crotch goblin? That's Benjamin's your crotch goblin. Kid. No, it's a child. Yes. Okay. Okay. That's a really good term. You know, she one, crushed me with it. One that I have always liked, but I'm sure many women don't. A fuck trophy. Oh my! Because it proves it proves you did it. It proves you did it. It's a little, uh, little. Maybe more, not to the child's face. Yeah, yeah. not always around. I don't know. We let our son swear. It's a little crude. <laughs> but he, oh my gosh, he's how so old cute. is he? He's almost six. Okay. He's a few weeks shy of six, and. Last night when I was putting him to bed, because he hears us talk and he has boundaries of what he can and cannot say and where he can say them. And he goes, Mom, at school, they were talking about the F word. And he's like, what's the F word? And so I told him, I'm like, can I swear? I can swear, right? Absolutely. Like, okay, 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 okay. I was like, this is this. Is, this is cool. And he's all, I'm like, it's fuck. And he goes, oh, fuck yeah. Like that, Mom? <laughs> I said, yeah. And he goes, and like... That's fucked up. And I said, yes, Benjamin. <laughs> you want to say another That's one? That's <laughs> fucked up. And I, he said one more thing. And he, like the light bulb moment, the F word, the mm. only word I could say at home. I mean, it's not like we let him drop bombs all the time. Sure. But I mean, we don't make it weird. I feel like if you suppress a child, I feel like I was suppressed that when I got to a certain age, I swore like a truck driver. Mm. But perhaps if I spread that out over a period of time, uh, it wouldn't be such a big deal. Mm -hmm. So we're just trying to take away that, you know, big mystery of what the F word is. And, you know, and he's he's so funny. We let him swear. So for so he's turning six and for his birthday, he wants a snake themed birthday. And I hate snakes. I don't like yeah. to tell people that because I feel like people are like, oh, that's her thing. They're going like, to freak you, her yeah. out. Right. So anybody, I'll be watching everybody. I know, right? <laughs> it's live crap. Well, okay. So he wants a snake themed birthday, and he goes, "Mom, 
are you going to lose your shit with all the snakes? It's <laughs> <laughs> hilarious. Man, I wish like, I could oh. hear that in a tiny six-year-old voice. <laughs> He's so awesome. <laughs> I'm like, yep, you're definitely our child. I mean, is the snake-themed birthday party going to happen? <laughs> it's totally happening. So I tried to divert. I was like, what about superheroes? You know, he's six. He's learning about Spider-Man, Batman, all the all the guys. And he's like, he thought about it. And he's like, nope. I'm like, well, there's no snake decorations. And he's all about, we're all about solutions in the family. He goes, what if we make them? I was like, crap. (laughs) And then I was like, okay, okay. We have to do the snake themed birthday. We're going to go all out. We're going to go so snaked out that it's going to get out of his system. And then we're all done. So we rented like this big water, inflatable water slide. It has a jungle theme. I got little, we're going to make little cupcakes, shape it into a snake and, and do all the things. And yeah, he's ready for me to lose my shit. <laughs> will there be any actual so snakes at the birthday party? If there is, I will. I will lose my shit. <laughs> right. I know. I was going to say okay that. Not okay with like, that. Is he getting a snake for you a know? pet? So <laughs> when I was a little boy, my family owned a pet store. Ah. And I would pretend to be sick often so that I could go to work <laughs> with my mom. And I love like I hung out in the reptile section of the pet store. And so I would go. I'd go to the goldfish like where, where all the fish were first, and I. <laughs> pick all the uh, goldfish, like the dead ones off the top. I'd scoop them up and then I'd That's go to the, to the reptile section and I would just feed anything that would eat dead goldfish. No way. So, and we had a friend of the family. Uncle Stu is what we called him. I'm sure I'm not actually related to this person. <laughs> did but you steal that mustache from Uncle Stu? I did not. <laughs> threw this one myself. But uh, Uncle Stu kept snakes. Like he was a person who kept and bred snakes. So there are people out there who do this for a living who have snakes. They will bring them to your house. I was going to say you could no. just like rent them. Yeah, you no. rent the snake guy. Oh, no, I don't think I can do that. <laughs> My husband caught a snake in the garden the other day but, and I, mean, I like got goosebumps and it was just a little tiny bull snake and mm-hmm. he brought it through the house. I was like, through the house? <laughs> like, why through the house? It's I mean, just a and uh, snake don't go together. I'm with yeah, you. But I, your son's only going to ever have one sixth birthday party. Don't Nick, whose side are you on? I mean, I'm just trying to help you one and done this thing. What, oh, what, what, if, what if this goes well and then next year he says, hey, mom, we need to go down the snake road again. Yeah, like we're going to have a python birthday. Yeah. <laughs> I can see that. All right. Noted. <laughs> I see your weekend being very difficult with Melissa Nelson now. Or Melissa Lowe. Sorry, Ben. Well, uh, I won't sneak any snakes into the drop zone. Oh, that would be And I'll great. tell you... You know, I did say, um, maybe I shouldn't tell anyone this, when I was cleaning to uh, get everything ready for uh, us to reopen, I did see a snake slither into a particular hanger in the, or a corner in the hanger. Oh, yeah. But we haven't had a mouse problem lately, so uh, maybe he's doing a yeah, job Yeah, there's, there's there. a 50-50, right? When I worked at Scott of Arizona, they found a snake in the copier. They found snakes, like, were the office where I was working, and scorpions, and, like, scorpions don't really freak me out. There's really? something about a snake that I could just, like coil up and launch at you. See, just I'm, <laughs> I'm the opposite of I am not afraid of snakes, but if you put a scorpion near me, I would be, I would not <laughs> trust that thing, not one bit. Did you know we have scorpions in San Marcos? Yeah, I've probably seen them. And but the, are they like the giant ones or like... They're the smaller ones, mm-hmm. but like I, I stay in the VIP room upstairs in the drop zone 
and there's a connected bathroom you can go to. In the middle of the night, I was walking through one night with a flashlight in my bare effing feet, and I almost stepped on a fucking scorpion. I am an absolute bitch when it comes to... I'm sorry, bitches. I'm not trying to insult (laughs) y'all, but I am the ultimate bitch when it comes to snakes. No, Zach Boyd freaked the fuck out of the spider. Little baby spider. I do. I am petrified of spiders and snakes. Little baby spider, and I thought I saw Zach strip out of a rig. Maybe it was yesterday, quicker than I've ever seen in my life. That kid was flying. So hang on, you compare your fear of spiders and scorpions. Are you are you more afraid of spiders than scorpions? You know, because those, those are like in in my mind, those are two kind of similar creatures that I that I'm more afraid of scorpions and spiders. And the reason is, is I've confronted more spiders and scorpions. And okay, he's still the unknown, the scorpion. Yes. Yeah. So like, I, and I would even say saying I have a fear of. Uh, of spiders is now no longer very valid because when Zach had a spider on him, I was actually grabbing, pushing, and pinching at it to get it away. I didn't know if it would bite me or not, so I was swatting at it, but I can deal with my phobia of spiders. See, if I'm talking about like the, the daddy long leg spiders that we see a lot in the hangar. I could pick it up. Yeah, I can deal with that guy. Yeah. But if you put a black widow out Fuck there. Fuck your mother. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not nope. messing around with that guy. Not even for a second. Brown recluse. Like that, that shape, that big round abdomen. Nope. Mm-mm. Dude, tarantulas, not they're not going to hurt me, but my God, they're the scariest looking spider ever, man. How do you how do you feel about a tarantula, Melissa? Yeah, I'm not, I don't have that same fear of spiders that I do with snakes. I grew up in the country, so I was used to seeing snakes, or snakes, <laughs> my Freudian slip. No, I was used to seeing spiders, and sometimes I would get bit at night, and it just was normal life. So spiders are okay. And my son started developing like this weird fear with spiders. But then when he saw me like super cool and casual with the spiders and mm-hmm. he could see, I was like, oh, look, there's a spider right here. And I think there's a sense of naivety with that, too, because I couldn't name what kind of spiders they were. Like they all look like black widows and brown recluses to me. <laughs> right. you, know? I was like, you know, just teaching respect and not fear of something. But. Snakes are at the top of the list for me. So, so you were bit by a spider, less afraid of spiders. Yeah. Let's just get you bit by a snake. Problem solved. Oh, yeah. Nick. Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just. You said you're all about. So, you're all about solutions in your family. I'm just trying to help. Oh man. So actually, your uh, husband says he's going to rent a snake. Yes. Oh! <laughs> get it, man. Yes. Hubs. I'll get you Uncle Stu's number. I'm on it. Man. Uh, somebody's already mentioned your mustache and people oh, well, have I don't said, even know what you mean. Uh, man. You know, I almost, uh, this has been hiding behind a mask for the last several months, so this is the first say. the first time the world has, has seen it. Can I but, zoom uh, in? You can sure here. try. It's not. I, I was going to wax it up before I came here, It's not so but I uh, just didn't have time. Ran out. <laughs> so it gets it gets better than this when you get it all shaped up. Man, you were here. We did the LB Live the other night Last with Tex. Week, right? Yeah, and it was groomed. It was yeah. magnificent, <laughs> man. If that was a snake, I would have petted it. So I, my, I wanted Watch to sit out. on Nick's face for five minutes. It bites. <laughs> it bites. It's not poisonous. I have no venom in here. Just it's not poisonous. Then why did it make me swell so much? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you're allergic. <laughs> So now that we're getting into blowing each other jokes. <laughs> so fun different. fact, fun <laughs> fact, um, snakes can only jump half of their body length. No. Wow. Have you seen the videos 
of snakes jumping from tree to tree. Oh my god. There are flying snakes. This is legit. Oh my god. This is legit. So somebody okay, maybe so, Texas snakes can only do that. Maybe so, like jungle snakes can yeah, do I, the I tree don't know. Thing. Yeah, maybe Texas. Jumping, there's not much to jump from tree to tree <laughs> in jumping Texas. Jumping jungle snakes. Are you looking oh it up? I'm looking it for is totally true. Snakes. So my son, he is so smart. He's he like, Mom, can snakes like fly or climb into trees? So of course I Google it and, and I find the flying snakes video. The amazing paradise flying snake, wild islands of Indonesia. I can't believe we're okay, still talking good. about it's, snakes. It's not in Texas. <laughs> it's not in Texas, too, you noted. Oh my gosh, yeah, they are flying. <laughs> You're welcome, internet land. <laughs> I saw this recently on FaceSpace, and if it's on FaceSpace, it's real, right? It is. It, it's legit. Oh, yeah. It is, man. The Bible said snakes are the devil. So I'm just, I, I don't care if you believe in the Bible or not, but I believe in snakes are the devil. That's whether you believe in God or not. Snakes are the devil. Bobby oh Boucher said it. Oh my gosh. Mm. She's looking up all the snakes. Oh. I know. Yeah, I'm watching them fly from, from See, are you, I, I'm, you I'm looking at them, watch, like I'm watching them fly from tree to tree right now on my phone. Oh, yes. But a sugar glider does this and we think it's beautiful and amazing. And we're like, right. oh, they're like us. I don't mind snakes. Can I play this video? If it's on YouTube, no. Oh, okay. Yeah. Ew. Yeah, um, we, we do YouTube for LB, but not for this one. But that might change soon. Um, YouTube sees a YouTube video on a YouTube channel, and they will pull your video. That's so weird. You cannot rebroadcast another YouTube video on your YouTube channel. Um, there's Can you share the link on the comments? Yes, absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. So share the link on the comments. Um, and right now, we're not putting anything we have on YouTube, but like I've had deals, I've, I've had issues with Spotify because some of our past episodes having some DMCA, Digital Millennia Copyright Act uh, violations. Um, and so now I have problems with getting on Spotify if I ever have to get on YouTube. So we, we have things that I have to be careful. Yeah, of. yeah. The so last time I played an MC Hammer music video on the, on the show. Oh, we got sound. Oh. Uh, <laughs> it it totally killed the entire like Facebook job, broadcast. Oh man, <laughs> That's, like, the, I should put it down. Dang it. <laughs> the uh, the music was muted and everything. Somehow it recognized the image that we had pu- were putting on screen during a Facebook Live broadcast and killed the stream and pulled and and blocked that video. Man, they're getting good at that yeah. shit. I, I had no idea that yeah. that it worked that way. Yeah, I, I thought crazy. we could get away with showing whatever, but all right, let's let's change the topic. Okay, no. <laughs> like, so, did you know that I don't like snakes? No more snakes. No more spiders. No more scorpions. Check. But Go. sugar gliders. Sugar gliders. Sugar gliders. Remember them? <laughs> it's a little flying squirrel. No. Okay, can we ask anybody oh, who's watching oh, right now oh, that who knows? Yeah, who has heard of the sugar gliders? And we spelled it with a Z at the end because we just had to differentiate if people were like. Do you have any up. clue, Elsa? What's going on here? I'm assuming it has something to do with skydiving. Yes. Cool. You, you're getting there. <laughs> Amy? Shemalaki. You, and I'm trying to remember who the third original was, because there was 2.0 as well. Yes. So the first was Amy Shemalaki. Right? Exactly. Amy Shemalaki, myself, and Jen Key. I don't remember Jen And then Sugar Gliders 2.0 was Kate Hofstetter and Brooke Schultz and myself. I remember Kate. She actually worked here for a while. Oh, awesome. And absolutely love Kate. She was a great person. Um, Not everybody got along great with Kate um, because she would let you know if she didn't get along with you. (laughs) Kate and I both spoke our mind well. And so that man, I absolutely adored Kate. She's a super good chick. Awesome. So I I was bummed when she left. I still keep tabs every now and then we ping each other on on face space. But other than that, no. Nice. Sugar Gliders, for those don't know, was a all-female free fly team. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, 
the first known, because I can't say there wasn't one before. There was not. But there, it is for sure the first known, the first recognized all-female free fly team. Yep, in the open category of free flying. And still, if I recall correctly, there has mm. been no other all-female free fly team in the open category. There has been in the advanced and intermediate, but not in open. And I would agree with you, except for you and I both talked earlier today that in our 30s, our memories aren't as what they used to be. We're both in our 30s, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, at least you're not as old as, uh, uh, what's her name? Lori Padaloco. She's 54. Gosh, she is <laughs> aging so quickly. <laughs> she, she works with the rating center and does some coaching. She's been on the show uh, a bit and we constantly age her older than she is. She is really 43, and she looks dynamite if she was 35. Aww. She doesn't look like she's 43. She doesn't look Not like she's 35. All. So, of course, uh, do you know um, Matt Leonard? Yes. Matt Leonard has been coaching with her as well, and him and I, he, he, we have both very similar personalities where we just tear our friends apart. <laughs> and so she had Matt Leonard and myself hanging out with her and we just destroyed her absolutely Aww. and she fought back like a champ she's That's a great. super cool chick so <laughs> Lori, i know in your old age you forget these things so uh <laughs> we'll keep doing it to you sugar gliders what prompted to what prompted you to do the full female team well i always had a dream of doing an all women's free flight team for no real particular reason other than it had never been done before and there weren't very many women free flyers at the time. This was in 2001. And I had gone to nationals in Eloy with a French girl as my uh, teammate. And we had a male camera flyer. At that same nationals, Jen and Amy were on a team with a German male camera flyer. And in my brain, I didn't know these girls from anything other than they beat us by like a tenth of a point. Hmm. <laughs> and I thought if we joined forces, we could be an all U.S. team because Emmanuel was French and I think Sven Zimmerman was their camera flyer and he's German. So I thought, well, if we combine forces and my dad happened to be at that nationals and I asked, I was like, dad, would you sponsor an all female free flight team? And he's like, yes, who are the girls? And I was like, I don't, I haven't really asked them yet. <laughs> <laughs> and Amy was bartending at the bent prop and I went there and she was so busy. She was like in the weeds. I was like, I have an idea I have to share with you right now. And she's like, oh, okay. Like trying to like sling drinks. And I was like trying to have this conversation. I'm like, I'm so excited. Can't hold it in. I'm like, what about we become an all female free flight team? We ditch the dudes. And I mean, no offense, but we can be an all US female team. And my dad will sponsor us. And they're like, that's cute. Who's your dad? <laughs> I was like, uh, just, you know, this guy who owns Get of Chicago. I was like trying to be like really nonchalant about it. And they were like, okay, that sounds great. And I didn't seriously did not know them. I did not know their last names. I did not know where they were from or how many jumps they had. I just knew that they were dedicated if they have gotten to that level of competing. And so that was in the winter. I can't remember. I think I came back to Eloy and Amy had called me and they're like her and Jen were sitting in the trailer and the, in the campground in Eloy. And they're like, are you like, is this for real? I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm 30 minutes from the drop zone. I'll be there. I'll be there soon. Should we start training tomorrow? <laughs> and they were like, holy shit. So we started training at Scott of Arizona. And that summer we had trained at Scott of Chicago. And that just... You know, it was such an amazing journey. I think being on a team, 
just it's just such a growth opportunity as an athlete and as an individual and kind of helping you put perspective on this passion that you're sharing together. Like, is this just a fleeting moment? Is this my desire, my dream? Am I going for it? And the internal stuff, you know, like working on communication and showing up and being tired and still having to do this thing and being accountable to a, a team. Like it was such an extraordinary opportunity. And all of a sudden we were hired to go to a bunch of different drop zones. And I had some connections being Roger's daughter. And I was like, oh, what if we organize at all these places? Next thing you know, we were traveling coast to coast, organizing and competing and doing a lot of stuff and having a hell of a time. It was Pretty awesome. Do you know how many jumps you guys got together in the first year? Oh my gosh, no idea. That was that was so long. That was before baby. <laughs> do you <laughs> do you know what year this this was that you guys did it for yeah, the first time? Yeah, so we got together in the winter of two thousand one, two thousand two. Oh, okay, I believe. It's yeah, been, it's been a minute. It's been a minute. Yeah, and it's crazy to think Amy and I were just talking about because we're still doing stuff together. We're on a demo team together, the highlight demo team, all women, all amazing professional female athletes getting together for an amazing cause to inspire women to live brave, bold lives and celebrating and commemorating the 19th amendment, which is the women's right to vote. So we're still doing things together and we're just talking. We're like, is it our 20 year anniversary coming up or did we pass it? We're, we're just, we're just trying to like measure that out. So we got together 2001, 2002. So this winter or next year would be next our, year, yeah. 20 year anniversary and we did a big get together for a 10 year we all went to hawaii and had some pretty epic adventures i love sugar gliders number one the guys in skydiving always like to look at the girls i mean it's <laughs> super easy we talked about my wife earlier today valerie and she uh, i did ask her had y'all met she's like yeah but really i just hung out with her brother i didn't really get to know her <laughs> And I'm like, yeah, and I had told her that Roger had talked to her, and you had laughed, and, and yes, the guys take to the women all the time. And I remember when Sugar Gliders came out, you guys were such an own, unknown thing, and I don't know if you've really thought about this, and I don't know if this thought is right, but in my mind and in my version of history of skydiving, Sugar Gliders was one of the largest catalysts, catalysts to the female skydiving movement today. Really, that was the beginning of the era of cis was not a thing yet, and cistos took a while to become a thing. But sugar gliders became a thing, Kashiki became a thing, Jessica Edgington became a thing. All these super powerful, badass skydiving women became a thing. And let's be real, women were just kind of looked down upon and treated like shit by many of the guys in skydiving. And man, some of the most badass skydivers I know are women. And I, I love an independent, powerful woman. It it it's it, there is no bigger turn on, and I don't mean sexually, I mean emotionally for me, than to see a, a powerful woman. And so I think Sugar Gliders was really the beginning of the the powerful woman era of skydiving. So Thank you. That's so awesome. Yeah. yeah, we did a lot of really cool stuff together. We, Amy had this vision. She had a couple visions, but she wanted to do, and I feel like I had the same feeling. She was the first one to verbalize it about doing starting women's vertical world records because we just did the co-ed one 
which I was cut from. <laughs> and we're like, oh, we should totally do our own event and we'll do it better. And because we're chicks and just we're more organized. We're and <laughs> yeah, thank do, you. But do you know yes. how much better it makes everybody feel to hear someone at your level of experience can still get cut <laughs> from a record? Oh, yeah. I've been, I've been, yeah, we'll, we can talk about getting cut later. <laughs> but yeah, it was a motivator. It was absolutely a motivator. And Amy and I did. We, we wrote down a list of who we thought we can actually do it. We all we just had to beat it four way. And we were like, well, what if we trained for a year? Because we're going to have to get women ready. So we did. We trained for a year. And we went up. We did an eight way. Next jump, we did a 10 way. Then we did a 12 way. We did a 14 way. And I think it took us a couple jumps to get a 16 way. But there was, were five world records that we did in the beginning when no one thought that there were that many female free flyers in our community at that time. And that was in two, that was the end of 2003. Yeah. So it was a very pivotal moment for, I think a lot of, a lot of us and, you know, still on the organizing team with Amy during project 19. So I love the evolution of where we are in the sport and going for a hundred way. I know I've seen That's awesome incredible. video of, of the current record. Do you know how many it is? With the, the women's the record? Women's head down world so record? that one, oh my gosh, 65. Sounds about right. There should. We're not doing YouTube videos. Yeah, no. Oh, so Sorry. Sad. We don't want to so get sad. this one taken off or whatever. <laughs> that would be so. I wonder sad. if you could find one on Vimeo. I bet you there's a good one on Vimeo if you just Google it. it there's got to be, or you can find it on Facebook somewhere. I would be. I wouldn't be shocked if uh, on Amy's or yours or somebody's. Vimeo, what? What am I looking at? The if Women's you, Vertical World yeah. Record 65 way. If you type that plus Vimeo, I bet you find it. Okay. It's. It's so cool to, man, I, I lost my brain in my train, but it's okay. It is so cool to see where all, all you ladies have come and where you've brought it. And the thing, and I remember where I'm at now, the thing that COVID has destroyed for me the most this year, uh, you know, the camaraderie, the sky, all, all that sucks. But I deal with a lot of events for a couple of different vendors, and you and I have actually been working together for some of it. And the one event this year that got canceled that really bums me out the most is Project 19. Because you just announced the vertical sequential world records got rescheduled, and yep. that sucks. But there's no reason that it matters if it's 2000 or 2000 and, or 2020 or 2021. But Project 19 being celebrated at the time it was was just so epic. Yeah, well, we're just going to have to go for 101 now. Boom. <laughs> That's what I was going to ask. <laughs> Problem solved. Yeah. yeah. So for those that don't know, Project 19 is the 19th, we're, cel we're commemorating the 19th Amendment. Yeah, we're not going to celebrate that. Which is the, <laughs> which is the um, women's right to vote. And with the demo team, we're able to do a couple of demos where next weekend we'll be in Seneca Falls, New York. And yes. then we will be in Pennsylvania and Tennessee. Tennessee was the last state to ratify that um, bill to or that law to be passed. So we are celebrating in that state because I believe I can't remember how many states. I believe it was 26 states had to approve, and then once that it was approved, then it became it became law. So I, you you keep so Project 19. We're gonna commemorate. We're gonna celebrate. Really, and, and I joke we're gonna celebrate. But uh, the woman's right to vote and and. Oddly enough, today we still don't have equal treatment of women. My wife is a powerful woman in a powerful place, and she works in the construction workforce regularly. And you can see how people treat her and versus versus others, and it kind of sucks. But, man, women have definitely changed places today. Project 19 is really cool, and I, I can't wait to see that. But my God, I lost my brain again. She starts scrolling through something on the screen. And uh, she, yeah, no my worries. scroll moment. Yeah, I feel... 
You know, I am even learning a lot. I didn't realize how much I didn't know until I was on Project 19 in this demo team because we're reading a lot of books. We're reading about the suffragists that, I mean, there was so many women over a long period of time fighting for this right for us to vote, which I think is is just phenomenal because I lived in this small, teeny tiny bubble of a skydiving world. And that's really all I knew. And through skydiving, I get to learn all this history and I have a new respect and honor this history. And I think it's so cool that I get to do that in a sport that I love to showcase and spread the message on what happened and to help help people learn more about this history. And we've had to prolong or, 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 or uh, reschedule, postpone is the word, uh, Project 19, the record attempt. If Do you have any words of encouragement, a pep talk to those ladies who have to wait another year? One thing that we keep saying is that, well, for one, more women can start training. Yeah. So maybe we can get more women on board. To, uh, Elsa, you're looking like, yeah, I'm like maybe me? Mm. No. Or baby bird. Nope. So you have a year to train. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> Over a year to train. That's uh, true. Because they're here, that's right here. Like this is potential right here, whereas we would have already been doing it now because this is when the time it was scheduled for at Skydive Chicago. But now we have a whole nother year to train. So maybe that might inspire some other women who might not have been ready for this moment to go and train. The other thing is, wow, we have been waiting for this. Now we're going to be waiting for another year. How much hungrier are are these ladies going to be to get this record to celebrate? Because it's just been this thing, right? It's about the journey, not just the destination. So what an epic journey to be going through. And another thing, what we realized was that the suffragists were also going through a pandemic Oh, wow. In 1919, when oh, they were yeah. trying to get this to become the right to vote. So here we are in another pandemic. That's crazy. Doing all this. So like this history, the history is very parallel. And it's in the sport that we love that we get to share. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, for myself, I'm in skydiving longer than one world record. Right. I have 23 world records. It's not one and done for me. So I'm hoping that this can plant a seed for some other women. Maybe it should try another discipline because now you have all these skills. Why not try the vertical sequential world record or maybe do a, a, um, a belly record? And I only say that because I have records in a lot of different disciplines and not just to isolate just if you're just good at free flying, that's all you do. Why not train to do another discipline and, and do a world record? Because there's so many opportunities in the sport that I think it's so easy to get burnt out. You like you train, you train, you train, you spend a lot of money, you make a lot of compromise, you don't spend time with your family, and and you do this record, you're like, oh my god, it's over. I'm never skydiving again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. So hopefully people can look at that and look beyond the record and see that there's longevity behind that. Maybe these girls who are training will become the future leaders in this discipline. I don't know. No, I absolutely yeah. think that's a great statement. It's it's so crazy to watch how experienced jumpers and veterans treat the new jumpers and the young jumpers because you just never know who the next badass is going to be. I, I, I'm positive I've said this on the show before, but I watch some of my friends see the young jumper and they suppress them. They hold them back. You can't do this. You can't do this. You can't do this. Where I'm a huge advocate of a, a young jumper tells me they want to do something they shouldn't be doing. 
this is how you're going to be able to do it. This is how you can get there. You shouldn't do that yet, but this is how you're going to get there. And you never know when that person's going to become the next badass, the next Melissa Lowe. Uh, we've talked about your name. Uh, I, I, I've known you as Missy forever and now Melissa, but I, I have a harder time going Melissa Lowe than I do say Missy Nelson. It's, it's the Nelson Lowe part that blows so my mind. so confusing for people. Oh my God. You have like five names now. I know. It's uh, like Prince. <laughs> <laughs> the artist formerly known as. Yeah, exactly. That's amazing. You just never know who that next badass is going to be. You never know who you're training today will be that stud tomorrow. And, and it's so cool to see these people come up. Your husband does say you have one more pep talk for the ladies. I do? Yeah, don't get pregnant. Oh, yeah? <laughs> I saw that. It's very true. <laughs> Gosh, that's a funny thing to think about. Oh, it's a, so A group of true. 100 women, some yeah, ladies could have a pregnancy to pregnant. deal with You never time. know. Well, you, I plan my pregnancy around world records. <laughs> so. Which is crazy because I will... like. First of all, my wife and I consider ourselves non-breeders. No crotch goblins in this family. <laughs> but I still love that word. Dude, that sounds, I mean, crotch I know goblins. what it means, but it, but it just sounds like a things. really ugly <laughs> vagina. Yes, I know, right? Like, yo, dude, I got that girl naked. She had a total crotch goblin. <laughs> so when Tara told me this through, and Tara, you're probably just now realizing I was talking to her as somebody else on social media. And uh, when <laughs> you she, have an alias that you go by oh when you're talking about crotch goblins <laughs> so, with, with yeah, the ladies? So like all sorts of people know this. Yeah. So uh, Nick and I are behind the scenes for LB Altimeters and I was representing LB and she was sending a message and I said something and had I not known Tara, not known a little bit about her, I don't know her, but we, we've got to know her through social media. Had I not known that, I would have thought that like... What you got going on in your panties, girl? <laughs> Crotch goblins, man. Like, that's some type of STD. <laughs> so. That's what I thought when you first said it. I was like, oh, I mean, where, like, where, where are we going dick? with this? I mean, like, yeah, go either way. I mean, Why'd you look yeah, at me when you said that? <laughs> that was uh, DJ's last conversation with the urologist. I don't know how to tell you this, Mr. Marvin, but uh, you have a goblin. you've tested positive for Crotch Goblin. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a wart. It's the tip. <laughs> so the other thing that gross. You, <laughs> right. the, the other thing that you mentioned through through this repeatedly is highlight pro skydiving team. Did I say that in the right order? Yes. Boom. Yeah. And I really, first of all, want to pay respect to the team in general because it is a group of a bunch of badass ladies out there representing the sport. Is, is a demo team, but I want to really name, I, and I can't name them all. I know um, Melanie Curtis is on it, yourself, Amy, Kaz, I believe, is on the team mm -hmm. as well. Yep. Who else is part of that? Maxine Tate. Oh, my God. Allison Ray. Yeah. Hannah Albrecht. Sorry, Hannah, if I said your name wrong. And Hannah Betts. Okay, now where are we? Where are we? <laughs> I have, <laughs> like, oh, man, there's, there's, 12, there's 12 of us. We have a new girl named Andy, who we just met on Zoom the other day. Welcome, Andy. And Lou, Karen Lou Dalton. Lou, Lou Monster. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. Did you see, uh, you haven't seen the picture right out here. You'll see a picture from the World Freefall Convention of my wife riding an inflatable gator. Karen took that picture for nice. us in like 03 at the convention. Awesome. There's also Carrie Bell. I know I'm forgetting. Yes. For, forgetting someone. Yeah, it's just really cool. It is so awesome because everybody's... Really well versed in a certain discipline and some well rounded doing other things as well. But when we go and we do our training camp, the last training camp we did was in January at Scott of Arizona, and we were jumping these big, huge, monstrous flags. I've never jumped a tandem rig, let alone a modified tandem rig, which was 
you know, as big as me with a, a, a big, huge flag with, you know, a hun- more than my weight that I'm how, holding. How big are the flags? They, oh my gosh. I don't know. Ladies, are you watching? How big are our flags? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, big enough to necessitate a tandem rig. Yeah, they're they're really big, huge weights, so they drop and they just look spectacular. We jumped them during the World Cup is for the opening ceremonies, which was pretty awesome. And we're just testing out different rigging systems. We jumped these smoke lines. And it, it, what I really loved about this was that even though some of the girls were versed in doing these sorts of jumps, there was no... Oh, you haven't done this before. Mm-hmm. You know, they were just like, hey, let's do this here. Let me go through the procedures. Here's what this looks like. I mean, there was just mad respect amongst each other, which just made me feel more comfortable and confident in, in doing the stuff that we were doing. And, you know, just learning new stuff together. We're packing these big streamers and these big flags and just figuring it out on our own, learning a little bit of rigging stuff. I mean, we do have a couple of riggers that are on the team and just offering advice. Oh, well, I've done this and we have uh, better uh, systems of deployment and, you know, just getting uh, more resources to, to help us do what we do. So, yeah, it's pretty, it's, it's just, it's so amazing. And then getting together and, I don't know. We're just fun and ridiculous. And <laughs> you, oh, go ahead. It's an epic group of ladies, and I'm going to use Jessica Edgington as, as this next next example, and then compare it to y'all. I used to hate hearing this. She's one of the best female swoopers ever. Take the word "fucking female" out of Jessica Edgington's name. She was one of the best swoopers ever. Fucking end of statement. Female or not, and the list of names you just gave me are some of the epic legends of the sport i i know a lot of those ladies a lot of them i know personally and you're talking about fucking rock stars and it's so cool to see that not only do you have this roster of legends they're all ladies how sick is that yeah it's so cool so when i was talking earlier amy had a couple of visions when we were just getting the team together sugar gliders back in 2001 2002 she had this vision of creating an all elite female team to do something and it was this big mystery of what this would be uh, would we get a sponsor to help get us all together I mean I'm sure that idea maybe looked a little bit different from her perspective but from my perspective I thought maybe it would have just been an event or just getting a bunch of elite women together for a record or, or whatever but um, Amy has always been such a pioneer in pushing and very creative she has the fly girls that happens once a year that Red Bull supports which is a super cool idea but this demo team here we are and I'm like it's happening you know like it took a long time for this to happen but you know skydiving there's not a lot of money not a lot of backing so it's just really you know, just these opportunities are very rare and real. So here we are living out one of Amy's, you know, dreams. It's pretty cool. So have you guys got to do many demos as a team yet? Just a couple small ones that we started. We, we've we done, I haven't been on all of them myself. I did the World Cup uh, opening ceremony demo. I know the, the girls did one in Montana. I'm sure we did a couple more. But a lot of them, because of COVID, have gotten canceled. So, But we do have three on the books one next weekend and then two in august what's your personal demo experience like wow have you done many of them 
Yeah, I used to. Well, my first demo experience was jumping into my high school soccer game (laughs) for homecoming. (laughs) Was that something that the school had commissioned or you you just had it all together? I bet you just just, uh, did a band to jump into into homecoming. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) That's the coolest version of the story that I can imagine. So that's that's the one that I'm going to make up. But what was really cool was the drop zone was 10 minutes away from my school. So my brother and I packed up, went back and we did another job nice, <laughs> into awesome. the school. Nice. It's like, okay, this is cool. Yeah. Uh, well, I can tell you my first memories of demo jumping was getting my pro rating from my dad. Mm-hmm. My dad did not like to do things by the book in the first place. He liked to make things more challenging and harder for the person, not just tick off these certain box just because that's within the box. Because obviously I had the skills that were in the box back then. But he made me land in between trees he had me landing off the drop zone on purpose. He goes, this is real life. Like, you're not going to get this big open landing area for demos. So he made it super hard. I had a swoop down wind. I was like, oh, swoop down wind. <laughs> but yeah, I just got super confident. And he would make me jump different canopies because he's like, well, because every demo, you're going to use a different canopy. He had me land in the parking lot once because he's like, some demos are going to be landing on concrete. We're on the streets. So that was my earliest memory of, you know, just getting my pro rating. So when it came to demos, I was like, oh, this ain't no thing. (laughs) Dad had me doing harder stuff. (laughs) Do you have a a demo that stands out as like better than the rest? Like the the most fun you've had upon landing in a demo? Oh, my gosh. Like greatest crowd reaction, anything like this? Yeah, I think crowd reaction is probably the best. Like when you can hear. I remember doing demos and not hearing anything until I got down and my canopy touched the ground. And then all of a sudden things came into fruition. But once I got more confident and comfortable when I could hear them from the air Mm -hmm. and I was like, Oh, that's a cool shit. You know, and knowing that my comfort level had completely broadened and I was more, you know, confident in what I was doing. But I, you know, I can't remember a specific thing because I've done a lot of college games, high schools and stuff all growing up. But I think this, you know, being on the demo team now, it just serves a bigger purpose and it has a bigger mission behind it that, yeah, those were pretty awesome. But now it's not just one and done. Now we we are continuing on like this mission doesn't, you know, okay, we celebrate the 100th anniversary, but that's not it. Like we keep going after that because, yeah, we're still working for equality. So I'm curious if, if you guys, are you able to share any of the events that you have on the books? You said you have a few still coming up this year. Yeah, we have. Oh, my gosh. So Seneca Falls next weekend on Saturday in New York. And then we have one on August 18th. I think that one's in Pennsylvania. And then the 25th in Tennessee. It's interesting when I think about demos and you think about these big groups of people that are generally on the ground at a demo and just how that might be complicated by the current situation with COVID and all that? Yeah, you know, I don't think we are doing it in front of a crowd. I think we are just doing it for the mission. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Does that does that change your feelings about doing the doing the jump at all and your no. excitement level? No, I think that we're carrying such a big message and that we get to do that through skydiving is such a wonderful thing. And we have a media team that will help cover what, what we are doing. And I think, I don't know, I grew up in skydiving. So... I can only imagine 
not being a skydiver, watching this display and big mission, that it's going to have such a wow factor to it and hopefully impressional that people think about it for a long time. So even if there's not a big crowd, that's totally fine for me because we're there for a bigger purpose. One of the things that you've mentioned time and time again through the conversation is Amy had these visions, you had these ideas, you both had these different goals, but you never knew what they were. And you eventually figured out what they were. And that's a message I want the young jumpers to understand. You don't have to know exactly what your goals and visions are to continue to chase them. Have these goals and understand and develop them as you move forward. We're talking about two very influential women in the sport. Amy, I, I know her story really well because of Jeffro. Um, I'm buddies with Jeffro. I've done a couple interviews with him, so I, you know, their tra- their their yep. journey is so intertwined. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never had the honor of meeting Amy, at least not to, to my memory. Um, and I would love to have her on the show sometime. Amy, 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 Ames, um, <clears throat> where are you? She's actually on the list of LB Live. Nick and I do. I actually also joined us for the show uh, LB hey, I Live. I know someone who can get in touch with her. Yeah, you know somebody. <laughs> Is it Jeffro? Uh, Jeffro, the guy who got me these nice pants, right? <laughs> um, it's uh, both of you are very influential women, and and I really hope the young jumpers can realize that both of you had these visions that were unclear. And, and how did you go about chasing these unclear visions, like knowing that you wanted to do something but not knowing what it was? How did you stay motivated? You know, I ask my question that I'll, I ask myself that question a lot. Uh, the other thing too that happened within asking that question is the time. There's a lot of time that happened and burnout. I was full on in the sport. I that's all I ate, breathed, slept, skydiving. Everything was there 24/7. Every work event I would do off the drop zone would be at another drop zone. And I got to a point where I would ask some other skydiver, long-term skydivers, some uh, old-school belly flyers, because they had been there forever since I was a kid. And I was like, how do you do this? Like, I hate everybody and everything. And I know we were talking a little bit about managing, you know, because I, I did a lot of leadership roles. And sometimes I just wanted to be the one that landed downwind or did the not right thing or why do I always have to be a good example I just want to have fun you know and oh man it was a it was a rough transition and it's interesting I'm you know I will we'll we'll go there (laughs) because sometimes the universe just gives you what you need and the breaks just happened without me saying oh I'm going to take a take a break and every time I took a break, it's interesting because you take away the thing you love the most. You realize how much you do love it or you hate it if you take it away. And I know some skydivers that have come in under uh, my tutelage and they have gone through that phase of, of, oh, I just need to take a break. I'm like, yes, do it. Do it. Go do whatever thing that you haven't been doing. Go spend time with your family. Because if skydiving is meant to be back in your life, you will come back and you will come back with a vengeance. You will come back with more passion. You will come back maybe with some more clarity and maybe maybe do the things that you wanted to do in the sport or maybe not. And that's okay. But the ultimate thing is finding your happiness because 
you know, the, the worst thing that you see in a drop zone, you know, when you're coming from a marketing perspective is the tandem master who hates his life because he's taking another tandem, you know. My husband is probably the best example where he is the same at the beginning of the season, at the beginning of the day, as he is at the last day of the season at the last hour because he is super positive. He's He wants to teach you. He wants to bring you and welcome you into the sport and make you feel like you're having a great experience. And I, and I love that about him. And, and I've learned a lot. How are you watching, Hubs? <laughs> Wipe your nose off. <laughs> I, so I've actually known Ben longer than I've known of you longer, but I've known Ben longer than I've known you. And one thing I can say and really a testament to his ability to do that is his motivation. Yes. Make sure your motivation is pure. Ben, for sure, is concerned about money because he has a wife and a child and he wants to survive and he wants to make a living. But Ben is more interested in sharing the experience with new jumpers than he is anything else. Yeah. Is that a fair statement? Yeah. And if your motivation is proper, if your motivation is pure, there's a good chance. Nick sitting next to me could very easily be burned the fuck out. And actually, I know he faces that thought process. What day is it? Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right? But I, I also know that you, I, and I please tell me if I'm wrong. But he thinks about his motivation. He thinks about his desire and his drive. And I think that's what fuels you because I, I'm, I'm positive there are days that I'm looking at you and you're picturing you punching somebody else in the face. <laughs> but you get over it very quickly. Uh, yeah, I have my moments where <laughs> you know me, where the, the, the frustration <laughs> is greater than my ability to enjoy what I'm doing in that moment. Yeah. But. Uh, I really appreciate everyone who continues to invite me on skydives because that's like an instant reset button for me of like, oh yeah, this is an amazing thing that we connect people with. And I think that what I miss most is jumping, like I've done two tan videos in the two months that we've been open. And man, it is so fun when the only the only thing I have to worry about in that moment is having fun with somebody and taking enough pictures. And it's like, man, I, it's, I think it's kind of that... Uh, that thing of when you look back at like, man, I wish when I was a kid, I could have enjoyed being a kid a little bit more. And now it's like, man, I wish when I was a, not that I didn't enjoy it as a videographer, but it's like, man, I really, uh, we, you know, working in skydiving, you really have it good. Even, yeah. even when you feel that, that burned out feeling, it's like, man, you are doing a thing that is so enjoyable and so borderline like you know i would call it magical like it's the part of there's this hippie part of me that wants to just use that word man it is a really cool thing that i think redefines you know or at least resets the bar of you know what what the human experience can be yeah and uh i can start to lose touch with that when i'm solving a bunch of problems that have nothing to do with uh, why i started skydiving nothing to do but, with the magic <laughs> yeah <laughs> not magic? Magic? <laughs> yeah it's like being at, at uh you know, you're working at Disneyland and you're not seeing any of the kids' smiles or, you know, you like you haven't been really connecting with that thing that uh, brought you into it. And then I can feel frustrated. But uh, going on a skydive or even just talking with someone who just had that first skydive and you can tell that they love it like like I love it or like we love it or like people who have, you know, that thing that we were all grabbed by, they just met it for the first time. It's like, man, that's super refreshing. But uh, yeah, I've, I've lost I've lost touch with it a, f- a few times here and there over the last few months. But yeah, it always seems balance. to come back. Balance is another huge key to manage that burnout because now, 
now in my life, my son is number one. And Hubs, you're in there too. Just I know he's probably lurking on there. But family's what number <laughs> <laughs> family's number one, and then everything else happens around that. So I grew up. I was a drop zone kid, and I remember being toted around the drop zone. And at first, it was fun, but then it got boring. I was like, day in, day out, doing the thing. I'm not jumping. I'm just playing in the mock-ups, like, you know, and just kind of, which is great because I learned to be really creative in, in my time, just waiting around for mom and dad to be done. And I thought, wow, like I can give, I have the opportunity to give my son a different experience. And we go hiking a lot. So that feeds my, my balance bar right so i can stay in this even plane because there's sometimes i'll walk on a drop zone and i could just feel the i don't want to talk about the things today like i don't want to you know and then of course you meet the student and then i'm like don't be a dick <laughs> you know and then i'm okay and then i get into the mode you know i'm all like okay yes i do love skydiving i'm here i'm present and this is awesome and yes i'm glad you enjoyed the experience but you know i don't ever want to have to get to that point where i have to like really do the deep breathing to get myself to not be an asshole but now i'm just there and it's so awesome so i'm not at the drop zone too much i'm there just enough to be super stoked when i'm there and appreciate it because i'm not there all the time and then when i'm traveling it's just definitely a treat because i get to see my friends that i haven't seen in a while and catch up and then do some cool skydives I would encourage you, whether you're a full-time skydiver, a part-time jumper, a full-time, it doesn't matter. Remember why you got into jumping. Remember what motivated you in the beginning. As a tandem instructor, and it's been a while since I've been a full-time TI, I, I'd hit that burnout, and the thing that saved me was being an addict. And I say being an addict, I don't mean a drug addict, drug addict or an alcoholic, I mean a skydiving addict. Uh, like any other addiction, we constantly chase that first fix, and you'll never get that first fix again. But that tandem student gets that first fix again. And I I straight up have had men leaning over his shoulder like, bro, I'm straight, but I love you. Will you marry me? <laughs> I have had women legit grab me in places that you probably don't tell my <laughs> wife about. I have had people respond in so many ways. And some of them were more pleasurable than others. Uh, <laughs> but all of them were super pleasurable to see the emotion and to feed off that energy that I can't chase. I'm chasing that first fix every time. Like, give me that. Give me that hit. And at some point I get disgruntled, I get upset, but then I go, wait a minute, what are you doing? And, and, and to feed off those people's energies. And yes, absolutely positively for some people, new jumpers can be absolutely frustrating and annoying. And I get that. I actually do well with new jumpers. It's a part of my forte. You got to listen to one of my phone calls today yep, with a new jumper. Yep. Super nice kid, man. Uh, uh, I do shout out Hunter. I don't remember your last name. Yeah, bro. Hunter asking all the good questions. I was super impressed. Oh my God. <laughs> this kid calls me about a canopy course. I had him on speakerphone in the car with Melissa. In the very beginning, I'm like, oh my God, is this going to be dumb questions? And immediately Melissa and I were both like, this kid gets it. And I, I, I cannot sure. wait to meet Hunter. So if you listen to the show ever at all, Hunter, shout out to you, bro. I love your attitude. I really do, man. Um, I, I find that new jumper who I can jive with, who I can be cool with, and I feed off of their energy. But the other thing that I re need to remember to do is to evolve. I cannot just perfect what I'm doing today. I need to find the next thing. And if you know me in the sport, you know I wear 20,000 hats. Um, the evolution of what I've done is, is ridiculous. Nick has joined me a lot on this journey together. I was only going to compliment the hat that you were wearing today. My bird's eye <laughs> studio your, your, hat your, from Elliot Bird. Your literal hat. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I'll, uh, 
I've done some work with wow. with Elliot Bird and Bird's Eye Studio, and they did a uh, Facebook thing for uh, COVID, and I, I abused my privilege a little bit like yo bro what do i gotta do to get a hat and, mm. and elliot you're the man dude he hooked it up but you mean you've, you've done a lot of different jobs and, and played yeah. a different lot of uh, a lot of different roles in, in the industry yeah. of skydiving yeah and that evolution has been a huge help to me and what i really want to know is melissa you've done a good job of, of of and i can actually think in my mind without knowing you well enough of a specific time that i think you were burnt out um, and, and, and not too much detail, but I'll just say it's when you and your brother had taken over the DZ and at some point you stepped away, yep. you stepped back and then you found that passion, that joy, that love. You got back to the sport, Arizona where you got back to, uh, then Ben comes into the life and all this evolution. But I think we're about to see the next evolution of you in the sport. Yes, What's, you are. Yeah, you did. Did you not see that coming? I didn't see that. that was a smooth transition. <laughs> oh, I like it. That was good. Yeah. You guys know where we're going. Um, I don't think no, so. No, I don't. No, I okay, okay. Nice. <laughs> I told her we were going to talk about something. I don't think I've told you anything nope. at all. No, <laughs> so what's if we're not talking about the demo team, I'm lost. <laughs> yeah. What's the future? What's next for Melissa? I want to run for national director for the USPA. You're nice. fucked in the head. Uh, <laughs> um, maybe <laughs> I my buddy Jay Stokes got on the board and when he got on the board, my condolences was my first words to him, <laughs> and I am thankful for him to be there. Um, Melissa, if you do make the board i will first of all say first of all say my condolences and then second of all i will say i'm happy to see you there why what is your cat by the way for those who don't know i've worked on the board i've worked with the board and i've served on the board so i say this with experience and i commend and uphold every single person on the board you and i have had private conversations about what we think of some of them and i'm not a huge supporter of all of them but i will thank them all for their service and their time even for the ones who are dipshits and yes you're a <laughs> fucking dipshit <laughs> Just <laughs> <almost> <laughs> <laughs> DJ's on fire right oh, now. Hold it back. Hold it back. You knew which name I was going to. <laughs> Can we talk a little know, bit about what the national director does for, for those people who maybe, yes. maybe don't have yes, experience? Yes, that's, that's a great idea. Okay, so the board is made up of 22 directors. And I can't remember how many are national, but the rest are made up of regional directors. So regional directors, what they do is they represent the, their region in processing a lot of paperwork. So when you submit uh, your licenses, things like that. So they help. They're the ones who funnel that through. So they do a lot of paperwork. They're the ones also besides your SNTA that help deal with fatalities and injuries and reporting from their region to the board on what's going on in relevant things. And then the national director is more of an at-large person. So they kind of bring in their experience and help support whatever's going on, decisions that are being made in uh, for our, our community. So I wanted, I've been wanting to run for quite some time. However, I am like you, DJ, and I wear a lot of hats, and I've just been super busy. And just recently, Shannon Searles stepped down because she took uh, Nancy Kareem's job of director of sport promotion, so that left a national director seat open. And I saw a lot of projects coming to an end, and I thought, oh, well, you know, what the hell, I'll just, I'll just jump in now and see what happens. And I lost... <laughs> <laughs> which is totally cool. It's like getting cut and then you get super motivated and then you realize, you know, do you really want to do this or you do not want to do this? And my mom, because my dad had served on the board too, my mom was like, are you sure? <laughs> you know, because it does lead to a lot of frustrations 
because you just see the sport in a different way. And I've been around for a really long time. And I think I would bring a really unique and relevant experience on the board because I am not a young jumper, but I am young in the sport. I have seen the evolution. I've been a part of a lot of technology changes the way we do safety and training, I've been a, a, through this journey. I have been involved as a drop zone owner. I have been involved as, you know, behind the scenes doing marketing for the sport. I've been behind the scenes uh, just running events for drop zones. And I've been on the front end of it where I'm a load organizer. I'm an event organizer. I'm a, I'm a leader and pioneer. I've created disciplines. Uh, the four-way vertical formation skydiving is is not just my brainchild, but uh, other people were. I know I said it wrong at the last the show. show. I know. Yeah, I forgot that. <laughs> That's why I had to say it really slow. <laughs> but I have been involved with USPA trying to get that discipline recognized, and now with Matt Fry, we redid the rules for vertical sequential world records. So I have. A lot. I have this vast experience, and and just like sometimes I'm like I don't know what to do with this all this knowledge. Like you know, yes, I pass it on to new jumpers. And you had reminded me of something on the last show that every time I teach someone, whether they're a first jumper or just someone in a skills camp, I train them as if they're going to be the next leader in the sport or next world record holder. And uh, I, you know, here I am with all this knowledge. Like, how come I can't do that on a broader scale? And I am, you know, a little apprehensive because I do know what I'm getting myself into. But I want to go with my ideas. And I, you know, as much as I would love to unveil all of these ideas that I have, I really feel that I have to get on the board and get some relevancy to what direction these ideas go. Because if you just say these ideas and they go away, then, well, yeah, it's never going to come to fruition because there's nowhere for it to go. So to see it through means me sitting on the board getting all this knowledge and, and giving my feedback and pushing it where it needs to go. I think one of my biggest frustrations is how long things take to get done in this <laughs> sport. And I remember someone told me a long time, this is probably when my dad was on the board in 2002, and they're like, that's just the process of being on a board. And I'm like, that's dumb. <laughs> that should change. <laughs> and, and, That's the way we've done it 20 years. I know. And, and, and skydiving changes faster than the board changes because technology Amen. will come out and new training techniques will come mm. out. And I remember when my dad served on the board, he wanted to help improve the student progression because it was the old seven level AFF and that was it. And my dad's program was 20, or it was 18 at the time. But he thought, well, why not get them to the A license, which was 20 jumps at the time mm -hmm. in the late 90s or something like that. And he's like, why don't you give them that knowledge? Because they need to get it somewhere. And otherwise, they're like salmon swimming upstream. And it's a miracle if they get through to the other side. And when you give students that knowledge, then you train safer skydivers, more knowledgeable skydivers, and maybe more empowered skydivers that will stay in the sport longer. Man, first of all, huge shout out to Roger Nelson. I have been a large part of Skydive Spaceland for a majority of their career. A lot of people attribute the student program to me, and it's because I have been the most influential person over an amount of time. 
but we have our program from Roger Nelson. Those of you who don't know, Roger and Steve are buddies. Rod, Steve went to Roger and said, I want to build a drop zone. Roger said, here's my, here's my hanger. Well, I don't have, no, then take this part of the hanger. Here's my student program. So anybody who sits there and compliments what we do at Spaceland, Roger Nelson laid the fucking ground to modern student training. You would all still be jumping fucking mana 288 to students mm-hmm. if it wasn't for somebody like Roger Nelson. He was a fucking pioneer. Maybe round parachutes. Round even. parachutes. Yeah. yeah, no, for sure, because <laughs> you, you joke, but he was that pioneer. Mm-hmm. And so huge props. But I, I want to go back to you for a bit. If you, guys and gals, please, please go find Melissa Nelson's previous visit during the COVID shutdown. Um, we're still in COVID. Uh, and we talked a lot about your dad, and I really loved how much you own some of the emotions of your dad on that show. I felt so much more connected in that conversation uh, through the emotions. We, we did some of it on LB Live as well, but it was really cool to see you kind of embrace that. Uh, guys, you really got to learn more about Roger and listen to that. But national director, first of all, you're relevant. The thing that you explained and the thing that you talked about is I, I'm not a young skydiver. I'm not an old skydiver. It has nothing to do with age and it has nothing to do with experience. It has everything to do with you are relevant. You are current. You are on, you have the current pulse of what's going on. And guys and gals, when you're voting for your regional directors, when you're voting for your national directors, number one, are they still skydivers? Are they still active on the drop zone? There are fucking national directors on our board right now that I wonder if they're ever on a drop zone in a given year. I seriously absolutely wonder if some of those people are ever on a fucking drop zone. Then why are you leading my way? Why are you telling me what to do? Get fucked and step aside and let (laughs) fresh blood step to the plate. And so number one, look for somebody who's relevant. Number two, I don't know this yet, but I'm going to pretend that you and I do not agree on all the topics. Perfect. I want you on the board. Anybody who thinks, and we talked about this today, thinks that we all have to agree on the board, then the board is broken. If you are looking at your national and your regional directors and you don't agree completely with them, you have to ask, are they open-minded to listen? I, I remember being on the board watching a director actually do this. Um, just for the record, I believe a, I'm going to vote for B because it's what my constituents have pushed me to. I have had letters. I have had phone calls. My constituents want this. So for you guys to understand, I do. And you've heard me argue a, I will be voting B because it's what my people want. And so there's another really important element right there is that either that regional director or national director is communicating with the jumpers because that's who we represent. We don't represent our own agendas. We are here to represent the sport at large. So if you are not in communication with them, if you don't know their name, maybe you need to reach out to them and see what their ideas are for the sport and why they are running or, you know, yeah, get to know them is basically the biggest thing. I'll use Chuck Akers as the best example right now. He's my regional director. If you don't think Chuck Akers is approachable. You have never met Chuck Akers in your life. We joke and mock Chuck Akers on Drop Zone because he's the most approachable dude. He talks to more tandem students in a normal day than some of the people who work on on full-time jumps. I believe that. Actually, more than most of them, not because we we do have some really great staff, Mm -hmm. but he talks to more He's talking to everybody all the time. If he's not on the plane, he's talking to to first-time jumpers. Which I think that's important because you don't want a national or regional director who is a mystery because those, like you said, they're the people that make the decisions on our sport, for, for our sport. And then when we get all these new things that are passed down and we're like, oh, they changed. Why did they change that? We should not be asking, why did they change that? We should be actively involved and going, I'm proud that I was part of this conversation to change whatever X, Y, Z is. 
I hear so many jumpers complain so much about the problem in the process. And a friend of ours, Steph, Stephanie uh, Banky, um, we, we will make fun of her for so many different reasons. But the thing I love about Steph is she's not a complainer. She's an action taker. Now, she will complain. Steph will make her voice known. But she had some issues and problems with what she thought about USPA policy and procedures. And what did she do? She made it known to people that she knew knew something and were like, well, you need to talk to this person. Okay. And she continued to talk and she didn't do it in a poor way. Um, she definitely made some noise, but she 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 approached people. She didn't sit there. You don't have the fucking right to complain if A, you didn't vote for the person and B, if you didn't talk to the person. And most regional directors and most national directors are very approachable. Yeah, I think so. And I think people have this like, oh, it's government. <laughs> you know, I can't talk to them about the things. I'm like, we got to remember we're still all skydivers at the end of the day. <clears throat> and yes, we should be talking to them. And regional and national directors shouldn't be people feared or they're like representing the law or whatever. Like same thing with our SNTA. I feel that we should all be approachable and communicate what's going on. Because I know, I know when I was younger, I was like, oh my God. Mm-hmm. There, there's someone in USB because they were wearing the polo shirt with the, lo- the, the logo on it. I'd be like, can I be cool? Are they cool? And as I got older, I'm like, okay, they're cool. <laughs> Even if you agree with them or not, we yep. are still all skydivers at the end of the day. I, I have the same realization with Steve Boyd Sr. at least, at least half a dozen <laughs> times a year where I'll just notice that I'm trying to be overly professional with someone and then he'll just come in with a... a you know, witty and inappropriate comment that only a skydiver would make. And it's like, oh, yeah, you're one of us. All right. <laughs> yeah. We can, we can talk on this level okay, about whatever man. this is. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. We talked about Jay Stokes today in the car. And one of my favorite things or one of the things that happened interesting to me and, and the board was we voted against each other on something. And everybody thought Jay and I are boys. And we are. We're homies. We're good friends. But everybody thought I was going to be one of Jay's puppets and I was going to do whatever Jay said to do. And we voted against each other re- regularly. And one day we went out to lunch together and we were like, hey, let's just go out to lunch. Nobody else, just you and I, because we don't want the drama or politics. Let's just go out homies. And when we first got to lunch, he's like, hey, man, why did you vote that way? Because of this. Well, you know, if you voted that way for this, that opens up this can of worms. I'm like, yes, I want that can of worms open, Jay. Okay, you know that. I'm like, yeah, okay, cool, man. What are you going to order for lunch? Mm -hmm. It immediately went from a dissenting point of view to we're still homies. We're still bros. And it's yep. one of my favorite things about Jay Stokes is he does know how to t- separate professionalism and personal, unless it involves one person's name. <laughs> I'm just, just one person's name. Uh-oh. Yeah. Uh-oh. No, I'm just I don't kid- know either. I, I'm I don't want to know. <laughs> I think everybody's got a person's name. That's just a joke. Um, but yeah, you're going to have these dissenting the, the points of view with your regional director, but they're still humans. They're still approachable. They're still reasonable. And, and and speak to them. And, and once again, I'll speak to Chuck. And I, I can speak to Chuck because he's my regional director. And I do get to interact with him. And in some ways, I have to. And, and that's a poor choice of words because I don't have to. I do choose to, said and done. But Chuck has been very open as our regional director. He has learned a lot. He's been very open-minded. He, he, he came into the process with some thought, thoughts and ideas that very quickly changed. And that brings me to the next point you made about you. I have these grand ideas. I have these grand goals. But at first, I need to get on the board. I need to spend a year on the board. You didn't say a time, but I would say a year is a good time and get to understand the process better um, and, and get to know it better before I try to affect change. Well, hopefully, I'll have already spent that year before I'm even on the board because I was at the last board meeting. I'll be at this next board meeting in September in Cincinnati. So I'm I'm involved. It's not like I'm just showing up going, hey, I haven't been around in a while. What's your guys' names? <laughs> so you actually cross over right into that next point. I want you to expand on that. So many people run for the board and have never been to a meeting. Yeah. How do you feel about that? 
Uh, I feel a sense of maybe naivety and overwhelm, but it could be a blessing or a curse for whomever that person is. And I think a great example is Shannon. She had never been to a board meeting, but I really feel that she brought a very fresh perspective to the board and very relevant and, and valid. So she, I think, was able to bring in uh, some new things that maybe if someone has been around for a while and stuck in some ways, maybe that wouldn't have been such a good thing if they kind of knew what was happening. So I think maybe running blind, just kind of throwing people. I mean, at some point you have to take the training wheels off. You know what I mean? So for some people, they can do it really quickly. And for some people, they need to take some time. I really recommend anybody who wants to run for the board, go to at least one board meeting. Yeah, see what it's about because you got to know what you're in for. You're going to be sitting. It's not skydiving during the board meeting. <laughs> you don't want to have a sex therapist who's a virgin. Just saying, man. <laughs> Just saying. Speaking um, of which, I'm a sex therapist. <laughs> Wait a oh, minute. Man. Oh, man. No, no crotch goblins. Well, here's another thing, too, of when you're considering a regional or a national director is what discipline do you like to fly? Because I don't think m- people know that there is n- pretty much there's probably 0.05% of vertical representation on the board. And when Matt and I were trying to update the rules for vertical sequential world record, there was a lot of educating that had to be happening because a lot of them thought we were trying to make the rules easier because they didn't understand the discipline, which is fine. We can educate, but wow, that really put a lot of things in perspective. Like, how come we don't have more people that fly vertically that can help validate what we're trying to do? Because Matt spent so much time on emails and phone calls and all these time changes trying to help. And I dealt with that same thing probably 13, 14, 15 years ago when I was doing four-way VFS. I was like, wow we're still having that same conversation. Mm -hmm. So we do have some wingsuit people who are on the board, which is great because that discipline definitely needs to be represented. But other than Luke Akins and maybe some people who are interested in free flying, maybe judge it, Mm -hmm. there's no one that there's no one involved in the vertical disciplines at all. Yeah. I think it's challenging for someone who can't, or just doesn't fly the stuff that's uh, that's being talked about, especially you know movement jumps and angle flying being a, a pretty new thing in skydiving that presents some challenges that uh, no offense, but maybe that a bunch of older belly flyers just might not understand because they haven't been on the jumps and haven't felt the 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 grind of that stuff. That's a perspective, or that's a that's a really great reason that I would want you in that seat. Thank mm-hmm. you. Thank you. <laughs> I really please hear that, folks, because I, I actually have heard this statement before. DZO should not be on the board, and that's bullshit. The whole board shouldn't be DZOs, but the board is a cross-section of skydivers. There should be fun jumpers. There should be DZOs. There should be examiners. There should be free flyers. There should be belly flyers. Kirk Ferner, shout out. Um, <laughs> there should be a bit of everybody on the board. Competitors, fun jumpers. Industry, yeah, you want everything. a broad spectrum because this is, this is the group of people who represent the sport as a whole. And I absolutely firmly agree that the, I want to say modern, and it's not really a fair word because there is a lot of great modern belly flying as well, um, but but the vertical disciplines aren't there and also the high performance disciplines aren't there. And I do think you're a high performance canopy pilot as well. And you yeah. can bring more insight to that. And I'll give a lot of respect to Michael Watkins, who I wouldn't consider a high performance canopy pilot. The respect I give him is he knows his weaknesses. 
Um, I was on the safety and training committee when they were trying to first come out with the new demo rules that Nick and I talked about yesterday. And or oh, pro this is the new shape of the pro rating. Yeah. Okay. And to give you an idea, like uh, Melissa, you said it takes a while. It was 2015 when we were already, we weren't even first talking about when we were already talking about it. And it was just in the last year that we've made those rule changes. But Mike sat aside and during the SNTA or safety and training committee would sit there and speak openly. And Luke Akins was a large part of that committee because they said, Luke, you're a high performance pilot. You're a high performance pilot who does demos. You need to be one of the guys setting these standards. Um, I was off the board during some of the meetings where the standards were set, but I was still like you very active with the board and I was visiting and they would say, DJ, you, what do you have to say on this moment? What do you have to say about this? And I really love those experts who see their weaknesses. And that's something I actually believe in you. And, and one of the reasons I think you will be a good director. Again, I don't know all your viewpoints. I'm about to ask them. <laughs> I don't know where you stand on all of them. And I don't care. I care that you're relevant. I care that you're open and you're willing to discuss. Yeah, I think that's probably the biggest thing. I think if anyone were to ask me, oh, what's your viewpoint? I'm like, well, it kind of doesn't matter. It actually matters what everybody else thinks. And maybe I can add my experience into there, but I'm not going on the board for my own agenda. I'm, I want to hear people. I want to start talking to people. Like what interests you? What frustrates you? What's a mystery? I feel like the board of directors is like this big cloud in the sky where where things just kind of happen and things just kind of come down the trickle line and all of a sudden there are new things in the sim like nobody really knows what's <laughs> happening yeah. but that brings it's me to the next mystery right like okay so you gotta tell me like do you know much what happens with the board did you even know about the board no yeah i knew there's a board um <laughs> you know okay that's good well yeah because you're probably surrounded by some yeah, people but mm -hmm. um no i mean i guess like it's a mystery. It's, they make decisions. Yeah. And that was, <laughs> yeah. And that so was about it. <laughs> that brings me to another point is sport promotion. Like, yes, we should be bringing people from outside the sport. But what happens within the communication of this dialogue of, okay, it takes forever to make a change. But where is that dialogue happening with a few people or a survey? That's really impersonal. And are people really a answering what they should be and not should be answering, but what they really feel if they're answering a survey or are they being influenced by other people or should we start having more one on one conversations in person or over the phone conversations? Maybe we just talk about it all on podcasts so or people can chime in in the comments. Yeah. Here we go. Like yeah. what a great platform this is to start hearing and you can see real time what people think or what they're frustrated about because that's really what the board is is about is to represent the community, not just there for your own agenda. Can you describe what it's like to be in one of these meetings? Like just I, I hear it and I think of like C-SPAN. But everyone's talking Frustrated. about skydiving. It's called a board <laughs> meeting for a reason. <laughs> I get fired up because I'm super passionate about things. And, you know, I... By the way, hi, Al King. Hi. <laughs> He's hi. one of our board members. He just tuned in. Just saying hi. Oh, hi, Al. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I... You... Hmm. <laughs> what is it like to be at a board yeah, meeting? Yeah, what's it like? I mean, uh, wh wh I where do they happen? How does, like... So USPA promote, er, promotes, they publish their meeting schedule on USPA.org. Sometimes it's a mystery to find it on the website. And sometimes I have to go to governance, governance. Yes. That should be pretty easy. And it really obvious. is. If you go to governance and then there is a tab that says board of directors, it tells you the agenda and the next meeting. And it so. has the address. So you can see what's happening and being discussed.
exist, but I almost feel like there needs to be a lot more conversation with the community of what that agenda is. Uh, we, we have video as a tool. Like, how come we're not videoing part of the meeting so more people can jump in on? So a lot of this isn't, you know, well, they're not watching. We're just going to make some decisions here. Not that I'm saying that it happens like that, but sometimes people might feel, feel like that that, right. that is happening. And that will take a lot of the mystery out. Uh, they so we break it so they you get together you're in a big room you're in a conference room and the big table if there's there's a galley for people mm-hmm. to come in unless they have an executive se- uh, session then everyone's welcome to attend and participate and give feedback but nobody really is involved in giving feedback. I mean, I've been around for a long time and there might be five or six skydivers. And it was so funny at this last one, there was five people because it was in Arizona. So people, uh, I think it's Skydive Phoenix had stuff. And we were like, thank you for coming. You know, like it was like, it was a big deal. Cause how many times have you been the only person besides staff at a meeting? I know yeah. it for me, it's been many times. Yeah, many times. So I think it's really important that people get involved, but people don't want to get involved in politics and, and think that skydiving is more than just jumping out of airplanes. Yes, there's paperwork, and but it's for a good cause. It's a good good reason, good purpose, because it gives us a buffer between the FAA and the, gov- the other governing bodies. And we get to really, for the most part, still self-police ourselves because we have, we have USPA, and it does offer its benefits as well. So... Yeah, board meetings are, they could be boring for people, but I am super passionate about it. So depending on the conversation, I'm either getting pissed off or mm-hmm. fired up or or I'm like, hmm, yeah, that's a really good point. Or, ooh, I'm learning something right now. Because you can also learn a lot about the history of the sport because there's some people who have been on the board forever <laughs> and will tell you what it used to be like from before <laughs> they were on the board. So you learn, like, you know, you're laughing because you're like, oh, my God. I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah, that sounds like that would be cool to have that happen one time, and then the yeah. next. No, it gone. wasn't the first time. Here it comes. Absolutely Here comes the not. story. Oh yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of that. You're like, I know what they're gonna say, but like they're living in the past. Yeah, living in the Roberts past. rules. Point of order. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes you wonder where they're going with the same thing that they're that, saying that over con- and over again. But conversations like this really happen, like this sort of presentation. So I be, because the meetings are public. Uh, first of all, like there's a public uh, general session. After the general session, they break into committees. Yes. But we follow Robert's rules. It's a rules of order. And uh, Jan, what's her last name? Myers. Myers thank you. Uh, is a expert. If you're only listening to this on the podcast, not watching, I am doing angry air bunny quotes. <laughs> she's an expert on Robert's rules. And part of what she does is she's on an online community who is a Robert's rules group. So she knows Robert's rules really well. Just God, ask her. I'm already so bored. <laughs> and she will constantly, whenever the board's talking, she is the first one to go point of order, Robert's rules, blah, blah, blah. And she is constantly in, in man, straight up, in my opinion, Wasting time looking at this nitpicky idea of can, Robert's rules instead she, of getting to the point. Can she even swoop, bro? I don't know if she knows how to skydive anymore. <laughs> if you can put my whole conversation together, good luck. So I, I, I really like your thoughts about, you know, your job in this role would be to listen to people. Mm-hmm. But I, I wouldn't imagine, I mean, I would think you're a pretty connected person to a lot of different people in skydiving already. So I imagine that you've probably got some some gripes in your head that you that you plan on bringing up. So let's just say, fast forward, you're already on the board, you're in this in this spot, magic wand, everyone's listening to you. <laughs> what are some of the things that you have in mind already that you'd like to see changed? Oh my goodness. I think probably, you know, in, in no specific order, 
When I am doing a world record, state record, national, whatever, when I read the rules, I have to consult the competition of the director of competition Mm -hmm. because it's so hard to decipher is this, if this happens, then that, or does this happen, then this? And it's just, it's super confusing. And I feel like a lot of things that are in our governance manuals are equally as confusing. I also think updating training to, well, Michael Watkins is doing a great job, but I, I, I have not administered a lot of A, B, C, or D license tests. And I'm not sure what they look like right now, but I remember the last time that I was involved doing this was I felt like some of the questions were irrelevant for the people of that skill level. Mm-hmm. I feel like getting people into the SIM and into the SCM, the Scatterver Competition Manual and the Scatterver Information Manual, for those that aren't sure what the <laughs> SCIM and the SIM are. Um, uh, I, and I also feel like this could also be a point where we can help inspire instead of dread this test mm-hmm. because I cannot remember anything from my A, B, C, or D license sets that inspired me. But what happened was I was involved enough to have to learn some of these rules for when we do world records. How do we submit? Oh, there's a cost involved. Okay, well, we have to put that cost into registration fees or whatever. So I think updating some things to be more relevant to inspire instead of dread. And I am not going to say this is this USPA needs to do this, but I hate test taking. I just don't think that it serves any value. And I've been reading a lot of books about this and how we have all these standardized tests and we want kids to like grade on this, you know, bell curve and, you know, you can teach a kid how to spell tenacious as much as you want, but it doesn't make him tenacious. So what can we bring with that for skydivers that is more relevant for them instead of memorizing certain things that they will never remember unless they're going to do a high altitude jump? So I want to make a point about those things you say because to a large point, I agree with you. But if the F, excuse me, if USPA doesn't govern us, who does? And I kind of gave away the answer. (laughs) The FAA, right? So part of what we do as USPA is, I agree the test has some egregious questions on it. Like, what the fuck does this test mean? But now I can go to the FAA, Randy Ottinger in our case, our director of government relations can go, hey, look, our test has your questions on it. We can satiate you. Um, I don't know if the tests are the best things, but a lot of what we do is to satiate the FAA, including our verbiage. And some people love Mike Mullins. Some people hate Mike Mullins. I don't care. I like him. He's a good dude. But here's something. If you watch the board that you will notice Mike is very good at. When USPA makes new policies and new rules, he's very quick to marry FAA verbiage. Have you heard those words before? Oh, yeah. We need to marry FAA verbiage. And what it is is the board – I've actually seen the board and I've been on the board when we've written new rules and new policies that made perfect sense. And then we have to marry FAA verbiage. And then suddenly it's like, oh my God, I don't understand. I, I, I get it, but like now you made it hard. And the so real maybe purpose. Maybe we can have like layman's terms, <laughs> you know, so like a yes. workbook of like, this is what it means in skydiver right. terms. Yeah, like mm-hmm. a you know? summary. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And that's exactly what we need. We do unfortunately need something to satiate the FAA. And I, I absolutely hate that, yeah. that idea. No, that makes sense because when they, if, if and when they they come digging, they're going to say, oh, these guys are already speaking our same language, so maybe we don't need to police them. Mm -hmm. But we do need what you're talking about as well. There needs to be English versions. There needs to be the language. And the test, I do think, needs to be updated. So as much as I defend the test, there's for sure a lot of it that can be changed, a lot of it that can be updated. And yes, if we do it 
right, and I say right, if we do it in a way that will satiate the FAA, we will always have bullshit in it. Absolutely. And it's, it's unfortunate. And I, I was a big fan of changing some of those things. And the more I had had to deal with the FAA and the more I got to know Randy and the more I, I as becoming an examiner and working with all that stuff, I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, but there's got to be a bridge between the two, right? Mm-hmm. Because you, not everyone's going to be you or me or Ben Lowe that can get to both sides knowing this by what you do for a day-to-day living. I'm not an examiner. So I have to go and I have to read the rules and I have to do the things. And I'm like, what did I just read? Mm-hmm. Like it's so complicated. Like I asked Ben a lot of things because he's been able to bridge what it means in in practical experience. So there has to be some bridge in between so people can understand. But maybe instead of a test, maybe we can do some experiential thing that someone can get to this bridge where they get the experience to understand what these rules are, not just sit down and and circle A B C or D. I think mm-hmm. Cheryl is doing a uh, good job. I've noticed since she's changed that position. Uh, USPA is in sport promotion, started to speak a language. Cheryl or Shannon? Shannon, thank you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I went Cheryl Stearns in my brain. <laughs> so you know where I, yeah. I, I thought I was where you were going. Yeah, yeah. I'm all like, I think you meant Shannon. No, I meant Shannon. And oh God, Sterils. Is that? Sterils. Sterils, yeah. Um, uh, I, I've seen, and I don't know if it's her effect or not, but coincidentally, as that position changed, I've seen some better promotion and some better. <sighs> youth in the presence of USPA. Yeah, she's she's doing a really great job and she has reached out to me for a lot of things and we did some things with, you know, we coupled drop zone marketing and USPA doing some things for group members just, you know, how do you market during a pandemic? offering certain things, you know, it's just, it's really cool. She's really open because, and that's what I think that I like about her because she is so new and because she is so new when she realizes what she doesn't know, she realizes that she has to educate the rest of the community about. And I was like, well, that's really valuable for someone who doesn't know, like she's in skydiving, but she's learning all these behind the scenes of where we make these decisions and that she can communicate it through email, social media, or however, However, she does it. But here's another thing. She is the only person. There is no committee dedicated to sport promotion. And I think that's something else that we could create. You know, not that I'm, you know, death by committee. Let's add another one. You know what I mean? Yes. But I feel that we could help her add to what she's sharing and educating the community about because she just has her perspective. But that's it. What? It is just crazy to think that. As far as you know, the USPA is concerned that there's one person responsible one for sport for promotion no of skydiving nothing. to the mm-hmm. United States. That's yes, yeah, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, and it I don't think a lot like of enough. yeah, and I don't think people realize digital marketing, like how much is involved in digital marketing. And I'm sure with your evolution and doing like social media stuff, like it is a full time job to do social media for one business. Mm-hmm. And she's doing it for the whole community. And uh, and some people are like, oh, yeah, you just post on Facebook. I'm like, yeah, just make a video, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah, just make a video. Just make a video. Yeah, yeah. you just like... I, I already imagined the video. It's not done yet. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. Jesus. I There's get that so all the time. It's like, oh, it's not hard. I'm like, thanks for telling me how to do my job. Oh, you, you may not yeah. know. Uh, yeah. Elsa does graphic design. Ah, so, okay. And does social yeah, media right? management. She's part of our social media exactly. group. Exactly. So. Yeah. You're just like, chop, chop. Yeah, yeah it takes a like, lot of time to build it out. And then because we're busy, sometimes you have to schedule things things mm-hmm. in advance you got to batch your work and and yeah so shannon's she's she's doing a stellar job for yeah. being one person and yeah. at the last board meeting i was like listen girl <laughs> like 
I, need to get I speak your language. <laughs> if you need help, come contact me. Social so. media for USPA has changed all of a sudden. It's all of a sudden it's an active personality. And there's an Instagram page. Yes. And I've, I've noticed it. I, I'm more active on social media than I probably ever cared to be in my life. And I noticed <laughs> more things I ever wanted to notice. And USPA suddenly likes and responds and posts and shares. And let's be real. People love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People like to be acknowledged. I, uh, as, as a business, the rating center, I will constantly share people who, hey, congratulations to this group of people. They got their tag USPA coach rating. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's obviously part of marketing. People find USPA, they find that. All of a sudden, USPA starts to go, congratulations, such and such. I'm like, oh my God. Now, how That's does amazing. that new jumper feel? That their fucking governing organization who yeah. used to be... Recognizes that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. So I, um, not, not to, to track too much from that version of the conversation, but the things you want to change it, and, and I'll... Say a lot of people when they knew I wanted to be on the board and I was on the board, they were always, uh, there are a few people like, oh, you just want to make getting ratings harder. And what they didn't understand is, no, I didn't want to make getting rating harder. I actually, Ben and I are very big on this same agreement. I want to get training better for ratings. I don't want to make getting a rating harder. I want to improve training. Said and done, if I have my way, getting ratings will be so easy that the standard hit to get a rating will be raised because we're training instructors so effing well. Yeah, yeah. So in that kind of voice or in that kind of uh, thought process, what else would you want to do to improve or change the organization? I think the, the, those are the top things, representing, listening, updating, having a better, not better, but more support for sport promotions. Because, I mean, well, and that's only just to start. And that just comes from the last meeting that I was at and looking at the things. But I feel that, a time on the board will help me figure out I don't want to go in there swinging and feeling like I have all the answers and I have all this experience and I'm awesome. I'm going to change because I think a lot of things that are happening on the board are really good, too. And I think a lot of times we forget and we skip over that. So it's not like I have to go in there and fix because it's all fucked up. I have to go in there and I just give my relevant experience and hopefully level up what's already happening. So, someone that wants to contribute sounds like someone that I would love to, to see in that spot. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yay. It, it's so good. And, and I, I have to commend the board right now. It's probably one of the most efficient boards we've had in the last about 20 years. Um, this really hurts my feelings to say kudos to Chuck Akers because the president does control the tempo and the pace of that meeting. And speaking to, I, I, speaking to a lot of my friends on the board, a lot of them have said we have one of the most efficient boards we've ever had. And watching the way the process is currently working, I would agree with them. And the thing I like about the current temperature of the board is the board overall is at an evolutionary state. And the only way that evolution is going to continue and grow is to have that fresh blood. I am borderline on this next question. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. How do you feel about term limits for board members? I absolutely think there needs to be term limits just to keep that evolution and that freshness of the board because, like I said, the sport changes so much just from season to season that if the board doesn't catch up and it doesn't have relevant (laughs) representation, it's just going to keep on being you know this behind and i'm sure the current board is like oh man we're like making some progress here Mm -hmm. because they're they're doing stuff and there's a lot of new people that are on the board and is that contributing to it yeah maybe but i also feel that there's no one that can play their agendas if there's term limits and then you know 
Yeah, I'm just going to leave it at that. So <laughs> there and, and isn't currently a term limit? No. No, I wouldn't have known that either. Hmm. So I, I, I wonder if uh, without having to throw anyone under the bus, like how the, the people who have been on the board for the longest periods of time, how, how forever, long Forever, forever. Right, and they <laughs> brag about it. Yeah. I So first of all, I'll ask you, Nick, because I don't think you know. What is a current term? How many years does a board member serve? That, that I have no idea. So like in, in like the U.S. government? No, no, no. Oh, uh, USPA. Do you oh. have any guess? How many years? I thought years? you said that there wasn't. So there's a term. You're, oh. it's, it's three years. So every three oh, years but, but we there, but, elect a new board, but okay. you can go on as for as long as you want. You can get reelected as, as many times oh, as possible. So, I see. And a lot of times, which, you know, we, I, I don't know if I would talk to you about it, but talk to some other people about term limits is that what if no one else in the region wants to run? Because mm. a lot of times regional directors are the <laughs> sole people. Right. Then there would be your exception is that person can, can serve no again. Uh, yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, first of all, 10 years ago, we had a two-year term limit. And you just mentioned the board would finally get momentum and then it would fall apart because it was a whole new board. Mm. So kudos to the board for recognizing a three-year term limit was smarter than a two-year term limit. So I do think the board has some level of understanding that terms should have some spectrum. Yeah. Um, but I, I do agree that there are a lot of uh, um, regions that another person is not going to don't run, but they don't run because they see this person constantly running. Mm -hmm. Gary Peak was yep. the longest standing board member. Yep. And with all respect to Gary, he has passed away uh, health complications. Gary, I would sit there and watch. I'm positive. I don't know. Did you go to any board meetings with Gary Peak? Oh, yeah. Have you seen Gary stare at the ceiling with his mouth open? Yes. Mm -hmm. Do you know what it is? No. Most people believe he knows how to sleep with his eyes open. Oh, good Lord. So I actually said something to a board member. I said, how rude of Gary to just sit there and stare at the ceiling while somebody's speaking. Like, oh, no, he learned how to sleep with his eyes open. That's his trick. Oh. And I went to grab a glass of water at a board meeting, and I walked back by him, and I waved my hand over his face as I walked by him, and a couple people saw it and went, <coughs> trying not to laugh. And I don't know if he was asleep, but he didn't acknowledge me. Um, I don't blame Gary for being bored at the moment because he's heard this argument for 14 years. But man, if you're bored because you heard the argument for 14 years, maybe it's time to let somebody else step aside. Yeah. And Gary's uh, region, sometimes people ran against him, sometimes people didn't. But I firmly believe if Gary ran out of term, if Gary were in our case, Chuck, and, and, and Chuck is doing a good job. Lucky he's not Chuck. At the end. Lucky Chuck. <laughs> he's not at the end of his, his terms by any means. But if Chuck had a end of life because he has a term limit, then people would run. I think people don't run yep. because... There's they, a reason oh, they haven't handled, yep. you know. Yeah, and I and I also think that through sport promotion, we could allow people, or not allow people, but let people into this process so it isn't a mystery. Mm -hmm. And hey, what do you need to do to run? Can you run? I think this with Ed Scott retiring, our executive director, USPA has done a really good job in trying to fill that spot. I think that more so than what I can remember any other previous uh, executive director mm -hmm. because they made uh, uh, parachutist page. The next, they had the whole lineage of all the uh, previous EDs with a blank one with a question mark. Could this be you? Oh, yeah. I'm like, Ooh, that's really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Inspire people to maybe think, and then, Hey, what do you need to do to do this job? And there was a lot of people who have applied. And I also think with social media, it's allowing people to learn about it a little bit more. I think Shannon did a really great job in promoting herself becoming a national director. She did a lot of video campaigning, explaining what to do. And I think that gave a lot of people no like and trust factor when she got elected in there. 
Oh my gosh, I was on a roll. Now I don't know where I'm going. I just lost my train of thought. Can you imagine uh, a board meeting being a watchable thing? <laughs> like you guys kind of made it sound boring, but let's just say that. <laughs> have we, you ever watched your own city councils? I meetings? have. No, but I've never been wife, to one. My wife sits in them, so yeah. I have well, but let's just let's just say that someone put all the work into being able to do a live broadcast of of a board meeting. I think if it was available, I would at least let me check it out for five minutes and decide whether I wanted to listen to an entire two-hour conversation of a group full of weirdos. Yeah, I don't think I would do it as a full-on, like, one long-running segment. I would break it down into chunks so people can listen to what might be affecting them, like the competition committee. Mm -hmm. If I was a competitor, I want to know what conversation that they're happening. I don't want to watch the three days of meeting I'd want to watch or one day at a time, but watching that hour session, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe you can break it down at this time mark. This is what we talk about at this time mark we talk about. And, and I think more people would actually get the information, but you have to think about our day and age. People want information like this, mm-hmm. you know, no, no one's going to want to watch a boring live feed, but maybe if you pre or not pre-record it, but you record it and then break it down, mm-hmm. I think it would make it more accessible and digestible for the regular. I, I think the there should be mm-hmm. a live feed. First of all, part of the board's requirement to have a meeting at your conference hall or your whatever is internet access because the board needs internet access. There is a person there, in this case, Shannon. I got it right that time. <laughs> uh, the person in charge of sport promotions back in the day, it was Nancy, who simply could just put their phone on an effing tripod and stream the whole thing. And the reason I think this would be beneficial is, number one, they're recording it all, and now somebody back in communications can divide those bite-sized, digestible chunks titled this, 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 yep. or that. But then there's guys like me who I have commonly stayed in touch with, oh, I know this is a hot topic right now. Uh, this guy on the board, this person, my RD, whoever. Ooh, to give real-time feedback. Exactly. Ooh, that's a really good idea. Yes. All right, Internet Land, for those mm-hmm. of you watching, would you like a live feed of your next USPA board meeting? Yes. Right. Yes. And I and I will not watch the whole thing. I'm a nerd, but I will watch moments. I mean, yeah. If you would have asked me five years ago, especially, if I would listen to three-hour-long podcasts, I would have been like, no way, I don't have the attention span for that. <laughs> right. I, I watch five-minute YouTube videos and I'm bored. <laughs> But it's like, and we do this for two hours, and people listen to the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So I think if it was, it was, if it was, the end product was something digestible over time. Of hey, I can listen to twenty minutes of the board meeting. What if they made it a podcast? Because I tell you, I love Audible, so I can listen to books while I'm in my car, or, or I'm working mm-hmm. out, or I'm going for a long walk. Because maybe that would be a way for people to get the information i'm yeah. not creating more work for you but no, you got no, your no, no. <laughs> i don't want it i don't want to do it probably <laughs> like, like, oh i'm gosh. not gonna do it i'm just saying hey microphones and the internet are are a thing and it's yeah. so easy i mean like like you do on safety day it's on facebook what know, i pictured when i started laughing is like dude nick let's get a closed booth in the back of it and let's commentate like it's the wwe <laughs> oh, and yeah. in this corner melissa Lowe is coming out <laughs> she is spitting as she speaks <laughs> and she's up against <laughs> no, <I'm just> kidding. <laughs> hey, now people would definitely watch that yeah, yeah we'll, right we'll we just get you guys all fighting each other and then the commentary is way more relevant there you go food fight yeah. <laughs> really what we need to broadcast is the behind the scenes meetings because like any other uh, uh, governing governing body most of our decisions are made before and this is sad in my opinion are made before they show up to the board meeting by the way i want to go back to how a board meeting is run 
you can go to USPA.org, go to governance, go to board of directors, and you can see the agenda for the upcoming meeting when, the, when it's within about one to two weeks. I would do this all the time. I would see the point that I was concerned with. I would then call my regional director at the time when I first started doing this, uh, Todd Spillers. Todd, I see these topics on the agenda. Thankfully, he's a safety and training guy as well. Tell me about them. Where's your stance? What do you think? This is how I feel. This is what's going on. Uh, today, I still stay in touch with it. I commonly will talk to Ron Bell, the director of safety and training. He, he used to work for me as an instructor, so we have a very good rapport. Uh, Mike, uh, I, Michael, I always call him Mike. I don't know why Watkins. Uh, I will commonly talk to him as well. Um, I don't talk to Chuck, my regional director, a lot because he's not safety and training guy. He is a comp guy by, by nature and heart. So I, I still talk to Chuck about things. We, we talk about a lot of stuff, but those are my safety and training guys. Um, look at the agenda, guys, and find out. And I bet money your regional director would love to hear from you, even if you don't agree with them, even if he hates your viewpoint. Regional directors would love to hear from their constituents. Yes, and there because the directors represent so many people, that it's hard for them to do the one-on-one communication, which I think would be really valuable. So you reaching out to them gives them that opportunity to speak to the community. Yeah. Uh, Mike Watkins does one of the best jobs of reporting post uh, uh, board of what happened so much so that Albert and a bunch of other yeah. directors have now just copied and pasted and share. And, and they give credit to Michael Watkins said nobody steals it from him. Uh, man, he does such a great job of reporting immediately. Yeah, after nice the little fact. recap of what's happening. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I actually search for Michael Watkins during board meetings because I know it, what's relevant is going to be on. I can't believe the old bald dude is good at social media. I love you, Michael. Um, <laughs> But, but it is super cool. We are getting really close to wrapping up. We yeah. turn into pumpkins. Anything else you want to share about the board, your, your direction, your goal, including how do people learn more about your campaign? If you want to learn more about the campaign, melissa-low.com. And I have a page about national director on there. And if you want to follow me, that's the best place to follow me. I have an athlete page and I have an Instagram page. And I'll be posting more. And the next election is not until 2021 to seat in 2022. Or wait, no, I think it's 2022 and is seat in 2023. I've lost track of where we're at. Yeah. And I just I want to help you guys out a little bit more because uh, melissa-low.com at the top, go to blog. It's the first current entry under blog. So you've got to currently go under blog. I bet Melissa at some point will have on her homepage a quicker it link is. to it. It, it is. is. It's okay. under national director. Okay. When I was scrolling on my phone, I was also driving. So maybe Asian drivers, no survivors. Do you see it, Elsa? Mm-hmm. Is it oh, sweet. Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. Um, I um, find it, look at it. I positive you're so good at internet presence that we'll find more information there. I bet we'll see videos of you talking more about it. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd love to hear f- feedback as well. Hello, Melissa Lowe at gmail.com. You can tell me what you think about USPA and any of the current rules and competition, safety and training, all the things. I'd love to hear your feedback. And if I don't hear from you, I'll be coming for you come election time. I have one more thing to say before Nick wraps up the show. We're trying something different Gosh, tonight. Don't make me do it. I'm You're right. doing a viewer. It's <laughs> on. It's no. you. It's going. You got to point to me when you want the music. Yeah, just start playing it. That's going to make my job easier. <laughs> October 24th. What's happening October 24th, Elsa? October 24th. Nick knows. <laughs> it's the film festival. Oh. Grab you that film festival. Save Ooh. the date. I, I didn't know the date, but I just know what happens yeah, in like, mid, mid to late October. Yeah. The DJ gets real excited about <laughs> Nick, Yay. wrap it up. I don't even know what you want me to say. You know, it's funny. I've heard you close out the show 140 times. It's all blanking. 
No, I mean, not really drawn up. Like, like DJ <laughs> has this thing that I admire that I just don't have. And it's the gift of gab. Yes. And he was I, just saying that. He's like, I'm a bullshitter. Yeah, he's, he's great at it, right? So here, just start playing the music, and I'll just keep talking until the music goes away. But uh, thank you very much. But DJ's really great at, like, continuing to talk, think, and just make it all jive and make sense. Where I just love to have a good pause. Like this one right here, where I think of the next thing that I'm going to say, and then I can say something that makes sense. But uh, Melissa Nelson-Lowe, thank you so much for being here. Uh, DJ, anything you want to say before uh, this music runs out? Nope, he's got nothing. Elsa, save me. Adios. Adios. Hey, thanks for listening, guys.